Ryan Yee. Hello and welcome back to Eventide Radio. This is a fan-made Destiny podcast where we have roundtable discussions about a variety of different topics concerning the popular video game franchise. At its core, this show is about having in-depth discussions about the game from a variety of different perspectives. I'm your host, Scotty, and with me is co-host Rob, and today we are talking about the Lightfall campaign. It has been one week, I think precisely one week since Lightfall was released. So uh, we've had, or Rob, I assume you've had some time to um, digest it. I personally just finished it today, so but this is very fresh in my mind. So um, I've got a lot of lot of thoughts to talk about. Um, before we get into this, uh, of course, I got to preface with the very obvious spoiler warning ahead for uh, just the main story campaign. Uh, we won't get into anything else because I'm not past any anything else. Legendary campaign. I just finished it. I was up till 2 a.m. last night um, working on the final mission. I played it legendary solo and the callous fight kicked my ass, especially the uh, the second phase. And just earlier today, I uh, went back to it after I went to bed last night and knocked it out first try like a couple hours ago. So it is incredibly fresh in my mind. Rob, when did you finish? Did you just knock this out on the first day? Yeah, I uh, I definitely try hard at it. Um, full disclosure, I snuck out of work like an hour early so that I could like (laughs) dive into it. Super excited. Um, played for a little bit and then I had to be responsible and like have dinner with my wife and, uh, you know, do grown up things. And then it was like, as soon as it was, as soon as, yeah, I know as soon as like the pet pets were fed, uh, (laughs) my wife was like, I'll see you in the morning. Uh, and then kind of whisked away to my office so I could play and finish the campaign. Um, but I did finish it that night, and Callus uh, did kick my ass uh, a lot. I think I had 29 deaths. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh some my gosh. some of those I don't think are my fault, and we'll get into that, definitely. Oh, tell uh, me about it, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, I finished it the first night, and I think I probably went to bed at, like, I finished the campaign... Talked to all the characters, got my 1570 gear, or 1770, or 1670, what? No, 1770. 1770, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little I, ridiculous. It, the number is sort of like arbitrary at this point. Absolutely. Uh, and then I went to bed, and then I was like, oh, I'll play in the morning, or I'll play the next day. Um, so yeah, I, I knocked it out the first night, but definitely like powered through. Um, I tried to do the same thing for Witch Queen and ran into a wall because we were uh, three-manning it, and I guess we'll kind of talk about the, the difficulty spike, but I found it way less fun to three minute. And so I went in this year being like, I'm going to solo legendary all the way through um, because I found it as a whole easier than last year doing it on legendary. But it's funny because everyone's the general consensus is that this year, the legendary campaign was like way harder, um, but we'll talk about yep. that. Later. So, so I, but I, I kind of was like, I'm going to play it solo uh, cause my clan mates, like they were all kind of doing it in groups. And I was like, Nope, I'm just going to be a hermit and do this all by myself. And then I'll, you know, kind of uh, emerge from the chrysalis, a, a <laughs> person, so to speak. Yeah. Something like that. So I guess we start at the beginning, right? Yes. Uh, my, my first impression of the first mission, I remember playing it and, um, they throw you right into it. Like as far as like story goes, they, they, they kicks off and you're in the middle of a 
you know, dogfight. The opening cutscene is very cool. Um, with Amanda Holiday and the spaceships and Traveler shooting a laser beam and stuff like that. And then Osiris is like, let's go headlong to Neomuna because they found the veil or something. And so you're jumping around uh, a Cabal warship and you take it down single-handedly, which is pretty cool. Um, and there are a couple cool, like uh, like I always talk about, like the like the wow moments in Destiny. Like there's one where you cross from like one ship to another, I think. Yep. Um, and you see Kalos' flagship, like it's yep. like two thirds into the mission or something, and you're, yeah, you, you know, you've, yeah. you've spent like a while taking down this just singular normal cabal ship, and then you step outside and you see Kalos' flagship, and it's just like massive, and he's like taunting you, and it's super cool. Um, I I don't hate the first mission; I think it's cool. Uh, they introduce you to the the tormentor, um, which was a cool introduction. I will get into that, but I actually really like the tormentors as an enemy unit. I think they're very cool. Um, but, uh, and narratively, I think it's a cool setup, you know, like war on two fronts, the beginning of the one on Neomuna, uh, they throw you right into it. I don't think it's as cool as the witch queen one though. I thought the witch queen one was cooler. Um, but w- what did you think? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I agree that like the first mission of, of Neo of witch queen, it just throws you right in. You're kind of in the middle of just this fight. You're not really sure what's going on. It it sets the stage, I think, effectively. Um, I I do I I like the spacewalk part as well, where you're kind of jumping on the asteroids, and then yeah, Kalish's ship kind of flies underneath, uh, and it gives some kind of like scale his flagship. It gives some scale and uh, and weight to everything, and I I like that. I'm sure there's someone somewhere that's angry that it feels kind of like the the presage mission because it's like it's a cabal ship, so the aesthetics and kind of the layout and you're going through the vents. Uh, should kind of feel the same, but feels uh, similar. yeah, totally. Yeah, but I I thought that that was cool. Um, I thought it was kind of a, a neat setup where it feel it felt familiar in a way that it's like okay, I've 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 done this before, kind of in like a like I I I can I feel confident infiltrating a cabal ship, uh, and, mm-hmm. and down the, the threats that lie inside. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I I think it was definitely kind of a good setup to to like you said kind of those those hero moments or those exciting wow moments like the, definitely the first mission stuck out to me as like excellent um and i i did go back and for the for the pinnacle uh part of the you know the the grind uh there is the the weekly mission that you have to get like a certain score so i went back and played cuz this last week it was the the first mission so i went back and played it again on like legend difficulty uh and uh it definitely was kind of it was it was fun to replay that mission um because there's like yeah you have to shoot down like the the drive core and then you shoot down the two engines uh and it's kind of just like a cool like classic like oh you got to stop the thing and self-destruct sequence has to start and uh i think it's i think it's great it's uh yeah it's a it's a cool mission uh and it it sets things up for being like exciting action and yeah, yeah. You, you do get a little taste of the Tormentor. Um, and, Pretty uh, cool yeah. introduction. Yeah. Um, you mind if we talk about the Tormentors right now? I feel like no, it's good. So I, my personal opinion, uh, I think they're awesome. I actually, I feel like I almost like them more than the uh, the Hive Guardians. Every time, I mean, they were, it, they said this in the marketing and they were genuinely not lying when they said every time a Tormentor shows up in game, it's like, 
a big deal. Like they are like little mini bosses and they are a huge threat, especially in the legendary campaign. Yes. Um, they've got a very cool, like there's a very unique like way to take them down, right? You got the shoulder pads first and then they go into like rage mode and they chase you around. They can like, in their first phase, they can like make a little void, like vortex thing that shoots stuff out. So you gotta like be careful of that. And then the second phase, they got their like rage mode and they chase you around. They can like grab you and suppress you. Suppression is a very annoying thing, especially yes. in that callous fight. But, um, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, they're very cool. I, th- I think, you know, it takes a lot of like consideration, uh, when, they, whenever they show up and what was v- kind of neat is that I felt like I got better at taking them on like over the course of the campaign, which was kind of yeah. a very rewarding feeling. Like by the time I beat the Callus fight, I was like, Oh, I like could totally handle these guys. Yes. Uh, which is way different than say like the tormentor fight and like the third mission where you're on Callus's flagship. And there's that little boss fight with, um, with one of them. Uh, trying to remember. It's like where you have to take a core and like blow up all uh, the ships on the flagship. Yes. Uh, yeah, that like I remember that being pretty tough, um, but by the end of it, like I felt very confident handling yeah. them. They're very cool. They're very engaging. What do you think? Yeah, no, I so uh, I will say since you never did the Valve the Disciple raid, correct? I did, I did, I did it uh, world's first when we attempted it, and right. I, th- I think won. I I did through the uh, caretaker. Okay, so. That the mechanic of the kind of glowing shoulder pads is ultimately part of the spoilers, uh, the the Rolk boss fight. Oh, um, that's even cooler, actually. Yeah, that's so kind it's kind of, of and, yeah, exactly. So, like, when you actually get to the damage phase, you have like kind of a, a puzzly thing that you have to do, like air quotes around puzzle, and then he kind of goes up his staircase, and then you confront him in the staircase, um, and he's walking around trying to attack you, uh, and every every kind of sequence that you go through you expose both of his shoulders and then eventually his thighs or his knee his thighs um and so but each time you have to concentrate fire in that like once you get all four of them then you get into the actual damage phase and the cool music like ramps up and uh it's it's a good fight and that's why a lot of people like the rolk fight because he's actually moving around engaging with you so many destiny raid boss fights you just get to a damage phase where they're just like immobilized and you just output a bunch of damage and whereas like Rolk actually like moves around and everyone has to like interact and so it's like it's not necessarily the best thing to just throw a well down because you can't necessarily stay in it because he's going to like attack you and he actually has like a kick move where he'll like launch you across the 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 arena that you fight in so uh so it was kind of a nice little like we'll say throwback or like you know they've sort of set the precedence that these these enemies have these kind of weak Common mechanics and yeah stuff. And, yeah exactly and and so i think that's great i ultimately like that you can't because i i do agree that the the hive guardian what are they called i can never remember what they're called i don't know why you just said it too tormentors uh, no the from which from witch queen yeah are, wait are they just called hive guardians right no the uh, lucent oh, lucent hive yeah i don't know why i can never remember that um <laughs> i think you just said it too but i Though most of the time the trick is just to output a bunch of damage on them and then like, you know, you can finish them and, and take and them out. Them. Yeah. These I found it was harder to brute force. Definitely. Because I, I sort of assumed that you could do like once I figure out, okay, you shoot the two shoulders and then they've got kind of the weak spot on their chest, which the way they kind of like Hulk 
Uh, I kept calling them like mini Hulks or whatever, just because like kind of they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, yeah, I love when they kind of go into the berserk mode and they have kind of like a different. They change their fighting style a little bit. Yeah. Like like they actually respond to how cool. close they get in proximity. It's a cool uh-huh. it's a cool enemy to interact with. But like the first couple times, I was like, well, I can just machine gun them down. And it's like, no, you can't just stand there and hope like stand in a rift and hope that you're going to be able to. Like, you actually have to like take in your surroundings. I'm, I'm sure there's someone somewhere that's like, well, I just did this and I, he goes down into it. It's like, okay. But the average person, the intended way, like you actually have to like engage with the enemy in an interesting way and ultimately can't finish them. And it's great because when they do, they kind of like go limp or like if you kill them, like they turn into like the weird branches, um, which yeah. is also like when Rolk dies, he like explodes into a bunch of like roots and branches. Yep. And, and, and then Callus ends up doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the, the you know, it's a disciple or enemy of the darkness, like that style. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the Tormentor was great. And, and when you mentioned that third mission, I remember you like you dunk it and you sabotage it. And I was like, whoo, got it done. Waiting for the chest to drop. And then they're like, yeah, oh, there's that a thing. and I was like, I literally like did the yeah, like, OK, you know, I, I had to put yeah. my, my my I had to sweat a little bit for that, you know, and, and I think the first time I actually died because I yeah, stupid, you know, and, but it was good. It like I think the. Like I'll I'll just say this right now. I think the action sequences throughout the campaign were well paced, and I think there was lots of great, like let me sit up in my chair moments. Um, and I I think like from the third mission that was like an excellent point where you're like you, you I literally was like okay I got through that wait like next checkpoint and then they throw that at you and it was just like come on like and I yeah. I thought that was a a great a great moment yeah um and yeah so the tormentors are awesome and then at one point is it the last mission where you have to fight two of them at the same time i think you have to do it in two different missions i, I, I so. it's definitely in the last mission yeah and it's i it's in the last mission twice actually because I, I think because there was like the first encounter of the last mission is you're flying around on like the thresher ships with strand and then at the end of it you end up having to fight two tormentors or at least one of them and then in the big Keitel war fight, there's two of them as well. I think so. But that one, you got you got guys kind of helping you out in Keitel's. Yeah, it's a little different. So they can kind of distract them, and they don't. They're not necessarily um, hunting no. after. And that was yeah. that was what I wanted to say. This enemy felt like the hunters in Halo One. Yes, uh, where it's like, especially when there was two of them, and it was like it was just it felt like finally an enemy like I, I haven't felt this in a long time fighting an enemy like this in, in destiny, in destiny who like, isn't just like a bullet sponge that yeah. just like, yeah, where it's like, you have to use your cunning and you have to be accurate and precise with hitting those shoulders because like the, again, they're kind of, their movement is a little like funky and it throws you off and it's not just, they're not just straight charging at you. Like it's, it was a cool engagement each like I got excited, but also stressed out every time one of them showed up um, because of that interaction. I think it's super well done. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Yeah. They were like big, big moments every single time they showed up. I was, and like the, every time it conditioned me to the point that like every time that little like teleportation noise comes right. on, like the whoosh, like you hear the distinct like tormentor noise come on and you're like oh shit come on like, yeah yep so that that was always a like it was a it was a good bad feeling you know right if that makes sense 
uh, I eventually, in the final boss of the Kalos fight, I ended up making them super easy just by using uh, disorienting grenades, or, or they're called what used to be called blinding grenades. Oh, and right. And um, Osteostriga. And you just kind of oh. run in circles around them, and you just you blinding nade them, and then Striga like stuns him a little bit too, and then you switch back to blinding nade Striga, and you just run around in circles with them until they're dead. But yeah, I I finally took me a while to figure that. Yeah, I I did a wither horde strat where I've heard I'd, a lot about wither horde. Yeah, yeah, I I'd, I'd wait for one to jump up on kind of like the 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 catwalks, mm-hmm. um, and then I would. I tried the catwalk strategy and that screwed me over, but continue. Yeah, but no, no, it's fine. Uh, But I would do that and then I'd immediately like nope out of there with strand uh, and the other catwalk and kind of with like whittle them down. Um, Like I kind of had the timing down, like I'd use my super on one and then finish them. And then the next one when it came out, yeah, I'd wither horde back and forth um, and then try either. I did like a fusion rifle or heavy machine gun to just kind of like whittle them down and, and, all the while, like also evading Callus. So, yeah, yeah. Wither Horde became my go-to. I was trying everything but Wither Horde because I thought, like, <laughs> and then I finally was like, I bet this is going to be easy with against Callus because then I can I can also just pop one on Callus periodically and, and slowly get him down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I I finally did, but not before it took. 28 29 tries or something like that. <laughs> right seriously yeah so we'll, we'll we'll talk about the callus fight later uh we'll get there um yeah, both have opinions i'm sure um yes but, I, yeah but yeah so the the tormentors i think are one of the coolest enemies added the destiny period I think, yes in my it, opinion yeah i not not necessarily in a long time just like hands down yeah we enemy like the the scythe the design of them just how you fight them. Like I am not looking forward to them in like master strikes or like high, high end content. Like I I'm dreading when this, the new strike that came out becomes a GM and you have to, fight Oh yeah. Uh, like I, I'm already peeing my pants a little bit, <laughs> but like in an exciting way, cause it's, it's such a cool enemy. And I think they're, I think they're just designed really well too. Like they're just neat looking. Uh huh. Oh, they totally are. And they have a cool name. And yeah. Yeah, they are very threatening looking, besides just being actually physically threatening. Um, but anyways, so if we're going mission by mission, roughly speaking, we land on Neptune, right, with Osiris. And that's when we meet Rohan and Nimbus, I think, right away. Uh, so, leads us to my next topic, uh, the Cloud Striders. And kind of their place in the story um i personally i i don't just rip like, the band-aid off <laughs> i'm trying to like do this without being like just full of venom and hate so the cloud striders are one of my bigger problems with like the overarching narrative of lightfall because of two things number one they weren't really mentioned at all beforehand this is like one of those things that they just kind of like pull out of nowhere. It's like, here's this new planet with these, this new like race and all this just, you know, just kind of out of nowhere. Um, and they are a big part of the story of the narrative. And I don't think you should be doing something like that with a penultimate chapter of like an overarching story. I don't think you should be introducing like 
new main characters like that right away. And also the whole like aesthetic of Cloud Striders and Neo Muna, I just really just don't feel like it fits Destiny. I'm, that, you know. I know I'm I'm glad you said that because that's not really something I have seen a lot of the critiques, but I also kind of agree with you. Yeah, it just feels like it's from a different sci-fi it thing. Does. It, yeah. Know? It 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 and and part of that maybe you can make the argument because there's almost almost like this branching event that happened right where Neomuna sort of was established as a result of the collapse, kind of in preparation for the collapse. And they're sort of like agnostic to the collapse because they've continued to develop technologically. They didn't have this mass, almost apocalyptic event that that wiped everyone out. So it's like, I'm I, in my in my head canon, if you will. It's like the aesthetic almost is different because it's so far removed from the weapon factions and and everything that you know, kind of is is a part of Destiny. We'll say proper because it's all you know. It's all relevant to you know all of these these factions and companies and 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 systems that were in place as part of the normal golden age and then here's this group that has almost it's almost like the the um galapagos turtles where it's like they're on a different island even though it's on the other side yeah they've they've evolved independently of each other and that's why there's sort of this independent aesthetic but i still agree with you fundamentally that there's parts of it that are jarring and that still just don't quite feel right but i yep. i i wonder and this is me like i don't know maybe i'm trying to like uh, i'm being a destiny apologist right now or a lightfall apologist but like something something does feel off um but i don't yep. know if that was like intentional and it might be uh but even if it was intentional i, I personally don't like the move to do that i guess Fair. It, it would be better if it was earlier on in destiny's story but this is yeah. like the end and like Nimbus and Rohan have quite a bit of screen time and Nimbus and Rohan should not have more like screen time than Kyle in this chapter. You know what yeah. I mean? Like in, in the, it doesn't fit the aesthetic. Another problem I have is like Neo Muna and the fact that everyone is living virtually in the cloud arc. Yes. feels like an excuse to make Neo Muna feel as dead as possible. So they don't have to, program npcs like i don't know it it makes neo muna feel very empty yes that whole idea no and, and the fact that we only know two cloud striders or neo mooney in general is, right. is very odd so so i agree with you that so go, going back to your first complaint i this is going to be a lot of i i get the feeling we're going to have a lot of similar opinions about things mm -hmm. i i agree that it was i'm going to use the word inappropriate a lot I think it was okay. it was inappropriate to introduce characters like you said in the the penultimate like this is supposed to be the beginning of the end and you're introducing a character that's involvement in the campaign is pretty heavy Definitely. um and and you can make an argument about like Finch's introduction but I and then I'll make a counter argument can I make a quick card Yeah no please please do I I I I I welcome with that with Finch, uh, similar character, similar complaint, I get that. But even with Finch, at least it's connected to, like, Savathun in a way. Yes. Um, 
but yes, Finch does have more, way too much screen time. Anyways, continue. Even, but even, but Finch, I mean, you, you see, Finch is in one, not even a cutscene, right? It's at the end of the, the mission, but then Finch is just voice dialogue while you're going through some of the missions that are kind of good point and 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 i would say it i i would i'm actually trying to defend finch a little bit where it's like it's it felt more in service to the story because it's sort of your inside connection to the things and i didn't find anything that finch said to be like inappropriate again i'm gonna keep using that term because i (laughs) it's it's the only way i can kind of put down in words how i feel about kind of some of the 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 tone of the campaign and things like that um but it 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 just yeah it kind of it felt weird to bring in these characters just out of left field um and then have them be so heavily involved with the campaign and also kind of the implications of how you're supposed to feel about said characters like you've known them for a long time but are you referring to Rohan specifically? <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll, we'll get to that too. It's, it's really funny. Well, not funny. Uh, about two weeks before Lightfall came out, someone's like, I swear to God, if they make Rohan and Nimbus be sort of this, we'll also use this term buddy cop kind of yeah. character dynamic. And then yeah. Rohan like <laughs> sacrifices himself in the middle of the campaign. Like, I swear to God, I'm going to leave. And I, and I read that and I was like, <laughs> they're gonna do that and and sure and, enough and they did and i so so i'll i'll I, so i i have to say this because this this kind of goes along with with my thesis with the the clouds so part of the part of the marketing for like lightfall is they said it was going to be kind of this 80s action very blade runner blade yeah and i i was hoping more for like a blade runner kind of tone but what we got was like a lethal weapon kind of 80s action movie sure and i think when you when you put that in the middle of what is supposed to be the most important like event in like this is the the start of the second collapse or what we're maybe perceiving to be the second collapse so when you, when you, there's a word you used last time we recorded that was so perfect for this, but like when you, when you cross integrate this eighties buddy cop over the tone of an apocalyptic thing, mm-hmm. that is, that is where I think the term inappropriate is <laughs> because it, it, it is so inappropriate to have like the opening cutscene, which I think is fantastic where you 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 have like it's finally like the first time that our character and a bunch of other characters have laid eyes on the witness and and he literally whatever the witness is it it literally like slices a guardian and the ghost into pieces which i also have a problem with that which i'll i'll talk about in a second okay like you have that as your opening cutscene where it's like like this is the end you know like this is the most intense thing in destiny we've ever seen right we we've seen very powerful forces but probably nothing in the magnitude of this and then you go through this this pretty intense like action sequence which is the first mission and you get on neomuna and you're immediately introduced to again the we'll just i'll I'll call it the buddy cop dynamic you yeah. it's so jarring 
and then and then to have the lightfall campaign sort of have that as kind of the main tone and then it's not until you get to the very end that it jumps back to this like oh remember that thing was going on uh it just it, it it's too much of like a hard jolt to do that like in it with what's going on right now and how we're supposed to be feeling to to have the the buddy cop thing just it hurts yeah i'm with you it it doesn't like you said the it doesn't mesh and it doesn't really make sense and they build this as um you know one of the last chapters here in the whole quote-unquote light and dark saga. And it just, it feels very random, for lack of a better word. Yes. Um, I, I just, again, it's not like inherently, I don't like hate Rohan or Nimbus like inherently as characters. I just right. feel like I would have warmed up to them and their dynamic more if this was just in a different context. Like if it was like, you know, five expansions ago. Right. It just, it feels weird. It does. You know, like to have Nimbus have more dialogue than Keitel when Keitel was like the daughter of the main villain. Right. And that's a character that's been previously established. Right. Built upon for the last two years or whenever she was introduced. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's weird. And what then, it, oh, sorry. go ahead. No, no, keep going. Oh, I was just going to say like, and then we don't really get anyone else besides Osiris and Keitel in terms of like character that we like know and care about. So it's, I don't know. It feels like so far removed from like the overarching conflict that's yes. happening on Neptune, which is, which is very weird. Not, not really what I expected. Well, I, yes, it, it also, with the events that happen in the campaign, it feels like it should have been built. So I agree. Like they ultimately, yeah, they, they should have been introduced years ago if, if they're going to be like interesting characters. But I, I think you could still introduce these two characters, maybe not have them be as pivotal, mm -hmm. right? You, you, you just have them sort of be like a Finch type thing where, they're off doing their their cloud strider business as as usual and and taking care of stuff but they're like kind of periodically checking in with you mm -hmm. as opposed to them being like so on the forefront of the campaign where it it it, it just yeah it just it's like why are you here I, I, yeah it uh, feels like they're they're like you know with rohan dying and stuff like that it feels like they were asking us too much to care about these characters that they just introduced. And, right. and, and yeah, like you said, if they, if they were a supporting character, this would right. be better. I, yeah. I wish like Zavala or Ikora or something was also on Neptune. Yeah. I mean, right. that's another thing I was thinking about from like a, like logical, like military strategical perspective. Why exactly? I mean, if the veil is so freaking important, why is it just us and Osiris? on neptune and everybody else is back home yeah like, like we don't even know what's happening back home besides oh amanda holiday got captured or something right well and that's that's something so i I've, I've been scouring reddit a lot because so I'll, I'll say when i finished the campaign i i sort of have i had this like feeling of did i 
did I miss a cutscene, or did I accidentally skip a dialogue thing that I, mm-hmm. you know, like when you go talk to Nimbus and they, they tell you, oh, well, you know, go do this, and then now you can start this this mission or whatever. Like, did I accidentally skip through one of those and not listen to it because I I felt like there was critical information that I should have been left like let in on by the time you finish that campaign because it just and we'll we'll get into the left you know it created more questions than it answered and things like that we'll talk about that shortly but I, I i kind of was like this is a weird feeling and and i had that sort of same like and and ultimately so i i started going on reddit and was like no i, I most of the community kind of feels the same way too and and someone brought up and i i don't i can't credit these people i i feel bad i didn't like these are just kind of thoughts that i read in comments the game did not do a great job of giving a sense of passage of time. Like, did all of this happen in, like, an afternoon? Were you on <laughs> Luna for, like, weeks or months? Or were you there for, like, four hours? Yeah. Um, and because there's, there's no cutscene that I'm aware of that gives any kind of sense of passage of time um, in any, like, meaningful way. And so... Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And then it's it's also kind of weird because like at any point, and this is where it's like you kind of make the arguments like, well, the way Destiny's set up, it, it, there's always going to be kind of this immersion breaking thing where it's like you could just go back to the tower at any time during the campaign. Yeah. And then like Zavala and and everyone's just kind of there hanging out. And it's like, shouldn't you be like, hey, by the way, I found <laughs> Neptune. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you come with me? Osiris is okay, by the way. He's just chilling with this giant humanoid cyborg guy like it just it, it again that th- that idea of like yeah why isn't anyone else here supporting um and and this is kind of one of the comments that i read that has been repeated a lot is so so the let me take a step back so the the general kind of interpretation of everything is originally lightfall was supposed to be the final like expansion but then they, you know, like two years ago, they're like, no, we need another year. Yeah, I heard about that. And so, but what feels weird is you can take the first cutscene and the last cutscene and basically slam them together. And almost all of the events of Lightfall don't really have any weight on it. Even, even to the point where like the Helm Shroud like covers over them. And then at the end cutscene, it opens back up and it's like, was that closed for like hours or days, or did it close for five minutes? Like it, it just, it's, it's got this weird, like you, you, you took that cutscene. What, what, and and there's a, there's a lot of like theories and spinful hats that basically that cutscene was supposed to be the opening cutscene for the final shape, and then they just injected the Lightfall campaign in the middle of the cutscene, like they. That's 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 the and I, the I, don't, I don't necessarily know if I believe that to a certain degree, but that's kind of the running theory, because it's like, like I said, people have already like spliced them together and it almost like works as one cohesive just thing. And that, yeah, and, and that lightfall almost doesn't even need to exist because it's just like, oh, Callus found the veil uh, and, and then, then we kill. open. Yeah. And then open this portal. Uh, or whatever it is, uh, which we'll, again we'll talk about the veil later. But that's another thing, yeah. Yeah, and so that's kind of the 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 running theory. Um, it's also been kind of 
confirmed, and we'll talk about Strand a little bit more as well, mm-hmm. but that Strand ultimately was supposed to launch with the Witch Queen. Um, oh, okay. Because there's like, like, there's like the debuff when you're doing the final mission called Strand Cutter or Thread Cutter, and and that the psychokinetic energy that you're using to discover like that those kind of elements should have made more sense for you as like a tool to find and discover strand like sort of laden all over savathun's like throne yeah instead of deep sight it would have been strand is that what or or, no basically you're using deep sight to to find it yeah gotcha like that's that's kind of the other because there's just kind of like if you go back and watch some of the cutscenes and some of the dialogue from Witch Queen, just the way that the, the some of the, the terminology and vernacular that they use almost seems like they were alluding to Strand and and but you know they but I, I think Bungie made the right choice um, to focus on Light 3.0 last year. Yes, um, and and so ultimately I'm not upset that Strand got delayed a year. Um, but it it does kind of beg the question of like, would the story have made way more sense, or or would Witch Queen have had kind of a different interpretation if Strand was like integrated as part of a campaign, or mm-hmm. would it have been would it have been perceived differently, or like you know just like how how would it have all fit together if all of like the strands have happened a year ago, and then I don't know it it's just again these are all these are all just kind of theories floating around reddit and and things like that so take it with a grain of salt obviously um it it is interesting to read all of that stuff and just sort of go ah okay i can kind of see that um sure i get that how how do you feel about strand's portrayal in lightfall versus stasis and beyond light yes um so i think that so so two two kind of other sticking points with the campaign is I was kind of bummed out that one whole mission was devoted to um, stopping the Vex from like hacking into the what is it called? The Ark? Cloud Ark. Cloud Ark. And really that could have been like a season later on this year where it's like like it's it's kind of a bummer that a whole uh, you know we only got eight missions and that one one of those missions was completely devoted to what could have almost been like a seasonal activity where you have the vex trying to like hack into the network um almost like a season of the splicer part two yeah uh, and and so that that was kind of weird um but then i think grand being as prevalent as it was and I think it was handled better in Beyond Light. You think so? I because you get little hints of it once in a while, like at the beginning, and then you're kind of learning about Strand. But then ultimately, it's side quests after you complete the campaign, um, as opposed to this, where I think too much of the campaign was focused, focused on. on just understanding strand and i think again court sort of with what's going on it it seemed almost inappropriate that you're trying to learn like a new subclass when it's like 
it it didn't compel me enough to feel that this was the key to stopping Callus. Like, <laughs> yeah. like because ultimately you can beat the final mission. Like if if somehow the game like I almost and I I I have this like fantasy dream sort of thing that I almost wish that like something happens when you get to Neptune and because there's some kind of like darkness energy there you can't use your current subclasses and the whole it, it, it they could because i i think you could have done it if they if they wanted the campaign to be sort of this like grand tutorial and i'm i'm, I'm being kind of cheeky with that sure. like if they wanted the campaign to be more about using strand as ultimately like this is how you defeat callus and it's it's critical to that then i almost wish it was like almost like the the vanilla d2 campaign where it's like you lose your light and the only way you can survive on neo luna at the beginning is if you have you like have to learn strand and they almost i wish they almost like drip fed you the abilities and fragments and aspects as you're going through the campaign like maybe at the beginning it's almost like vanilla d1 when you make a new character it's like that first mission you only get the grenade unlocked and so you're just starting to learn like strand and you get the grapple ability and so like it's like the first mission or two is like way more of a focus on guns and using this grappling hook to like navigate the city because like you don't even have like a double jump yet like and i think you i think you could have designed the mission this the the, the campaign this way to be kind of cool the, where the difficulty is still hard but it's more of a focus on weapons and and slowly gaining your strand abilities as you go through and then by the time you get to the end you have your super you have all of these fragments or you have the two aspects and a couple of the fragments and then ultimately that's when you're ready to fight callus and he's like totally blown away that you've learned this ability while you've spent your time on neomuna trying to like push back his forces maybe even have it where it's like you get onto his his pyramid ship is where you learn this your super ability and that like mm -hmm. blows his mind because it's like this is my ship where'd you even learn to do this you know like I think you could have done it that way and and as opposed to just like you have these story beats in there where you just find a strand and then you just you get all the abilities and they have like quick cooldowns and you just spam a bunch of stuff and then you go back to losing it and you're like exhausted and, and it just like like that like again I'm I'm not the developer I'm not the one who made it but it's like if if I wanted strand to be so integral to the campaign I think it should have been more like and then it's like when you finally defeat Callus, like the the veil oppression has been lifted and then you get all your light abilities back and everything's good. Like almost like forcing you while you're on Neomona the first time to work through Strand and get all of these. Uh I think that that would have maybe been perceived better. Yeah. As, a, as opposed to just like, oh, get strand, get all these fragments and aspects, just like spam it, and then you like lose it once you defeat that sequence. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I th I think the idea was to avoid people get being pissed that they can't, that they can't quote unquote like play their way. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, I can't use like my void build. Why would you do that to me in the campaign? But I like your idea. I mean, I think that makes that certainly works better for from a narrative perspective because right. i agree i i don't think strand was very compelling in terms of they didn't they never really gave a reason as to right. why strand was like so important to defeat callus but um and then also i what's up? i was gonna say ultimately you can opt to not use it when you defeat him 
So it's like narratively, it's even like more confusing if they like <laughs> forced you. Like again, maybe they do something where it's like, oh, you you don't use Strand at the like the first phase of the fight, and then he like he's got some darkness power that suppresses your light abilities, and literally the only way you can defeat him is if you grab the Strand and like what you like you say you look within or whatever when you like hold the the button. Yeah, and it's like oh, and then and then you like then you just have this like godly Strand and you just like nuke him, and then like something like that. But it's like. You don't even technically have to use it to defeat him. So it, it's just, it's confusing when the game's like, oh, this is the only way to defeat him. But then you get to the final fight and it's like, I, I well, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, can't keep using my build. And it's like, sure. I, I almost wish that for the campaign, they force you to not use your light abilities. It would have it been an interesting choice and maybe experimental, but with the way things were perceived now, it's like, what did they have to lose if they, they did it a different way? Yeah. It's, um, it's a, that's a tough one. I, I ultimately, I, I think I agree with you. I, it would have been better if it, if it was implemented differently. I also, I don't know. There, there are some encounters that like require strand and, I, like essentially require it in terms of just like from like a gameplay perspective and they're incredibly frustrating like the whole especially when it doesn't work half the time like during that the first part of the last mission the thresher part where you have to like cling on to the things yes i died like four times because like apparently if your head isn't lined up with your arm you just automatically detach from the thing and fall to your death right I don't know. There's just some funky stuff with strands. Sometimes it it feels like it doesn't like hit where you want it to. Sometimes, and I'm sure half of that's user error. But um, I don't know. It just it feels a little funky at times, yes. and it made for some fights very frustrating because it, it you do have the option of changing, but it's essentially required in stuff like uh, yes. the end of headlong uh, with like the merry-go-round part. And the callus fight, you 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 essentially need it, but I don't know. It, it it definitely frustrated me more than anything else from a gameplay perspective during this campaign. I I completely agree, uh, and I I know what sequence you're talking about where you have like it's kind of like these high buildings that you have to you have to use your your gra- I keep calling it the grappling hook. You have to use your Spider-Man ability to like swing up there. Um, yeah. Do you remember the Vex part, like the merry-go-round part with like the spinning? Force oh, field? yeah. Where it's like, people are calling it the true uh, trials of Osiris. Oh my uh, gosh, I hate that encounter. Yeah. Well, and that's again, that's a whole mission of the eight. That's like. It's just yeah. That's literally that's the only encounter I think in the entire mission that has a darkness zone. The rest of it is running around with Strand and listening to Osiris be like, look within, flow with the river. Right. Yeah. And then the end, and then the end is the worst encounter in the whole campaign. Anyways. No, I, 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 mean, I hate just, that mission. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> that's kind of the, you know, we got eight missions to tell this story. And one of them was, I'll say wasted on a, a Strand t- tutorial. And then another one was the stop the Vex from hacking into the servers. And it's like, that's a, that's a quarter of the campaign right there for stuff that felt 
not not important not important and and again this is the penultimate like this is one of the most important times in the whole series and kind of this this is the time we're spending yeah exactly it just it felt inappropriate definitely good good word use again Uh, to compare it to like witch queen also like i kept thinking back to witch queen i'm like what was witch queen like what were the missions like remember like fighting like an ahamkara and then having like two major plot twists and like so much happened in that campaign and i feel like every mission actually like was like memorable and distinct and exciting um like I, i can actually i was looking at like a list of witch queen missions and i could actually like recall most of them I remember, like, there was the the Sagira mission. Was right. So tough, though, the, the Scorn thing. And then you go to Europa and go on the pyramid ship, which is super cool. What's still, to this day now, one of my favorite missions, like, we've ever had. It's such a cool, good use of a different place. And we finally got to go to the pyramid that's on Europa. So cool. And it's so good because it, there's that great with, like... uh I'm blanking on her name, where she's like talking to you while the pyramid's like shifting around. Eris, yeah, and it's like, and I like, Icor is troubled by this. We don't really know like why the pyramid's responding to you, and there's that cool like line where it's like it's sharpening you like a blade, and mm-hmm. just like it's just so cool. And then so yeah. cool, yeah, and because like there was the mystery part was so good, and then I could write a whole like essay about how good the major plot twist was with Savathun and Traveler resurrecting her and just how perfect that was from yeah. like a thematic standpoint from like a just like a plot standpoint like oh my gosh I didn't see that coming right. just so much happened there was just so much so much good stuff in there and, and even then there were just like besides even the narrative there were just some epic cool set pieces just well, and that, you know, yeah, like the Ahamkara fight and stuff, which was just cool, right? I mean, right. they gave like a reason, but ultimately it was just an excuse to have a cool freaking Ahamkara fight. It was awesome, right? And um, there, there aren't a lot of moments like that in this campaign, unfortunately. There are some, I don't think it's all bad, but there's not as many as Witch Queen. It's definitely it, a step down. It, it, besides the Tormentors, it was a lot of like Colossus fights. Yes, that's a lot of colossus. That's what the cabal are, and um, incendiars. Yeah, exactly, and and getting booped off stages. Uh, lots, yeah. lots of that, and dropship yeah. killing you. Um, yeah. That is definitely an amazing quality of life. Where now you actually have like a red circle where they're gonna. But um, no, I, 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 the just the aesthetic changes in witch queen where it's like you start off on mars and you mm-hmm. go to the ship and you just kind of barely go to the ship right and then like and then yeah you go to europa and then you go down into the the sathona temple which i i equate that like it feels like you're in hell yeah uh, genuinely is terrifying mm-hmm. down there because it's just like this is this I, like we shouldn't be here, and then yeah, you're trying to escape, and then like Nahamkara appears, and just uh, just a lot of I I still stand by that some of those missions are really long, um, yeah. <laughs> but I, like uh, I I don't I don't know where this decision came from to make 
each campaign eight missions. Um, Seems weird to homogenize it like that. Yeah, and it's like kind of like this arbitrary number where it's like I think some of those Witch Queen missions could have been broken up into two missions. Yes. um, Just to kind of have the pacing make a little more sense. I I feel like some of these could have been combined. Yeah, and I, I think that I think some of the missions for for Lightfall are actually a good length, except for the final. The final one's definitely like a long one, and the first one, which it should be though, yeah, and the first mission is long, and it should be as well. Beginning and the end are the are the big parts, so it makes sense to bookend it like that. Exactly, but a couple of the other ones just kind of feel a little like, eh, you know, they are where they are. But yeah, it just it's going to be hard to not compared to witch queen because it's just like that's the most recent thing we have to go off of and it's and also it's, the only other legendary campaign right and it's and it was just so well done totally um and uh yeah i it just they 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 did some clever tricks with having a few different boss styles um where they 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 had the lucent hive quite a bit but which they was all, very cool right because it was like the new gimmick, just like mm-hmm. this is the with the tormentors, and I'm glad that they added them where they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it didn't feel like it wasn't like every mission had 15 lucent brood, and I'm not saying that the football yeah. campaign does anything like that. But I think just with the the flavor of enemies, where yeah, you're like one of the missions you're in Europa, and the the main enemy is the cabal there, and that's a cool way to have just sort of like a break of stuff it, yeah. exactly exactly whereas this it just feels like you're fighting cabal and vex the whole time definitely um, and and like you said i also think diversity of location is yeah key like like you said savathun's throne world like with like the hell part is very like lord of the rings army of the dead right style location and then even in the same throne world still the same location above that is the uh like her kingdom, I guess, is is very like gothic architecture right. and like it's actually very pretty. And then yep. you've got like a swamp over there, and you go there for some missions. And then you go to an entirely different planet for one mission. You're on Mars for a little bit. Yeah. Um, it. I I was hoping there would be like a mission in Lightfall where we went to a different planet. I feel like the only two locations in Lightfall are you're either in Neomuna. Or you're on Cal's ship for like a mission. Right. And then that's pretty much it. Right. Which kind of sucks. Yeah. In terms of diversity of location. But yeah, I, I, I was I was secretly hoping they would find a way to have you go to the moon or the EDZ or something to have like a mission to just kind of break up. You know, but like yeah. every everything kind of takes place either in the orbit of Europa or of Neptune or on the surface of Neptune, and I guess, sure. I guess it kind of makes sense because it's it's it is sort of this it's focused you know, on Neptune, focused I guess. On, yeah. But it it would have been nice just to get a little bit of a an aesthetic change, other than you know, like we've at this point, I I'm I'm also worried that we're going to get an oversaturation of being in the pyramids now. Um, and part of that, yeah, I it's like that is the darkness sort of like thing. Um, but I I just I hope that it's not every time now we have something like i that it takes place in a pyramid because the the pyramid tech aesthetic gets a little like just kind of dark and dreary and one of the things that one of the things that drew me to this this franchise originally is just like how beautiful and diverse like the planets are like when you look at like d1 when you go from like earth and the cosmodrome and it's like green and there's snow on the ground and then you go to the moon 
uh and it's you know it's kind of this like old base and then you go to venus and it's this like jungle planet and then you go to mars and it's like this desert and each each one is like a different color uh and it's so cool and then and, and d2 did the same thing going from the edz to titan uh to nessus like they they nailed an io like they nailed the color aesthetic so well and then now it's like everything's just like dreary and gray and black and it's like it's gonna get old fast sure. uh, i get that i will i will say that i really liked callus's flagship personally yes. like as because it took um the pyramid aesthetic and then it took the leviathan aesthetic and it kind of merged the two and those right. are like two of my favorites and I, I thought it was very cool looking but i totally see what you're saying especially if we're gonna do if this raid is also gonna be set in a pyramid right um Hmm. That's a lot of pyramids, right? Uh, especially with another but two years I, to go. I think that it is supposed to take place, like, because so like the opening cutscene, right? We the the traveler has like a weapon, yeah, with, the laser beam thing, which is awesome because it it doesn't it like it destroys, but it also created life, right? Like trees and plants and stuff was like yes, out, which is makes sense because right, like when it, it when it first came to Mars, right, it like terraformed. So it kind of makes sense that one of its like powers or abilities, right? This this is the first time we've ever seen the traveler like, besides when it do like, anything, <laughs> besides when it woke up during the vanilla D two campaign, right, where it like took off the uh, the weird shackle thing that was on it and, yep. and basically like vaporize uh, Gaul. Gaul. Oh yeah, I forgot, uh, he, I forgot cool. I did that. Right. Uh, yeah, we haven't really seen the pyramid or the the traveler do anything. So the fact that it like had like a Death Star laser. But it also caused trees to just like erupt from the damage that it created. It's kind of a neat, like, again, sort of what the traveler is, where it just like brings life, presumably, you know, like it could, we still don't know if the traveler has like a sinister alternate, like ulterior motive or something other than self preservation. But it's cool that it like has a death beam that causes trees to sprout from nothing. Oh, super cool. That's um, a super cool idea. And I, I'm interpret. I, I think based on like the little teaser image that they that Bungie released for the the raid, that it mm -hmm. looks like it takes place on the disciples, uh, or the the witnesses ship because it looks like it's got a bunch of those like white trees kind of like intermingled with the yeah. Beer. So did, did you? Can I say something? Did you see sure. the? Did you see the little teaser trailer they released for the raid? No, I haven't. Okay. Do you mind if I? share yeah. or do you not go want to support it? no I, uh, they showed they literally showed five seconds and all they showed was the intro cutscene of you flying into the raid um and your ship flies right into the hole that oh, really? is left in the pyramid ship that's awesome okay yeah so you are exactly right it's the okay. uh like remnants of the whatever the traveler did to that ship right. uh so that'll be very interesting i'm very curious right. and it's called Root of Nightmares, and I want to say one of the tracks on uh, the soundtrack is called Wonerophobia, and I think that's the fear of dreams or something. Oh. So I think it's going to get kind of weird, which I'm excited about. Yes. Oh, before before we continue to bash, uh, can we talk? Yeah, about I was gonna. I was gonna. And how just banger it yet again? Oh is. my gosh! Yes, I've been I've been listening to it. It's been yeah. it's been awesome. The uh, the intro theme. Have you listened to like the full version yes, of it? It's good. Oh, like the little like I don't I don't know anything about music, but violin or whatever that comes in at like the minute thirty mark is 
so pretty. And then like the Neptune themes and stuff are just awesome. I, I will say they, they went stuff. with a they went with a choice to repeat that verse a lot. Yeah, they did. The tracks, which is it's good though because I think it. I, I don't. I've never really formally studied music theory or anything like that, but it, it's kind of nice to have like that recurring. And, and Destiny's always done that, right? Like there's there's a couple of main themes that like will iterate on itself, and and you'll you'll kind of know when you get to like action set pieces. And that's one of the coolest parts about the Rolk fight is when you actually get to the damage phase of Rolk after you bust all of his his shoulders and thighs you get a cool remix of kind of the main destiny theme and it's supposed to be very like yeah you're you're damaging this disciple and it's like light against dark and it's awesome yeah. and like you feel super heroic so it's like and they they do that right they they'll they'll take that same kind of theme for for lightfall and they'll like speed it up or they'll they'll change the pacing of it so that it kind of like matches with what's going on so i think it's like it repeats a lot but i think it was a conscientious choice and i think it was a good choice because i think it works ultimately with kind of like the the story beats that they're trying to tell so i i i think it was mm -hmm. I think it was intentional like I, I i don't think michael salvatore and all those guys are like out of ideas that's definitely <laughs> not what it is i think it was just it was a way to have kind of a so you know you're in that lightfall tone and setting and things like that and definitely. i i will also say i am super relieved because i when they first showed all of the Kind of original out like pre-alpha footage for lightfall and they announced it i thought we were gonna get nothing but like synth wave like yeah vapor wave like whatever yeah. that, that term is. stranger things-esque yeah, like I thought, I thought yeah and i thought every single track was gonna be that and there's only like two or three in the entire soundtrack and the soundtrack's really long and so i and and so i because the, the soundtrack released before, like the night before, uh, yep. so I I was listening to it at work, um, while I was while I was doing some stuff, and I I was fully expecting it to be like a synth overload, and I was relieved, and it gave me hope for the game that I was like, okay, it's not just Stranger Things music the entire time, like it's actually good. Not that that stuff's bad. Like I I enjoy me some good synth. No, music. but I get it. Like it's very like, yeah, done to death currently. Right. Yeah, and I and I thought that that was going to be the the main approach to Lightfall, especially when they made that comment that it's going to be like an '80s action movie. Like, oh, they're leaning hard into '80s, and they didn't. And I was shocked, but relieved and excited because the, all the tracks on there are phenomenal. And there's some, yeah, I I know there's definitely like I tried to pay, not pay attention to the titles because I didn't know if there was going to be any spoilers, sure. um, but I'm very like the, the the soundtrack is yet again amazing like i because i i have a a spotify playlist that is just literally every destiny soundtrack just all like so it's like 12 hours long at this point or something like Dang. that like vanilla to to now lightfall i think i added it and so it's like sometimes when i'm just having like weird days at work i'll just be like ah, i feel like listening to the forsaken soundtrack yeah so yeah the, the playlist up I have um, a compressed playlist. I have like a, I have a best of, so I just put like my favorite songs on there. That's probably wise. Uh, Cause it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of music at this point, but uh, um, I got the, I got the bangers on there. Good. Good. <laughs> um, but there's really not, there hasn't been like a bad soundtrack yet. Even like, I, don't think so. I will, I will say shadow keep <laughs> isn't the best. I personally don't think witch Queens is like, 
particularly notable. Um, I said none of it is bad, but compared to like the other ones, I think it's a little samey. That's fair. I think there's some really. I think there's a couple. So I agree with you in general. The whole uh, Shadow Keep soundtrack isn't amazing, but there's a couple really, really, really good tracks on there. Burn of Salvation like, stuff is pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some of that stuff. We're talking about eight weird 80s stuff. But, uh, yeah, but the, there's a couple that are really good on there, like the like the In Orbit music that played during that that expansion is yeah phenomenal there's there's some good respite stuff is a good one i don't know if that's the orbit music it might be but but yeah so, there's there's a couple of good ones so yeah but it's just and yet again another amazing soundtrack by of by course michael salvatore and all those guys i'm, I'm blanking all the like c paul johnson and all those there's things. a lot of people there's like four or five of them yeah or and maybe six I think. yeah they're they're definitely rocking it um and as usual so that is nice obviously yeah. we can always count on that team and of course you know the art department and stuff i mean it all it looks good you know it does it looks looks and sounds good um keeping on a positive track uh now that we just like ripped thing to shreds for a while um one thing i really liked about the story is uh i thought callus and the witnesses dynamic was written very well personally oh, yeah. I thought that was very good. I, I saw some people complain about Callus, and I respectfully disagree. I think it's I think he's fantastic in this. I love that he emerges from his weird like chamber and mm-hmm. immediately grabs a chalice. Oh yeah, and, and then like, let's drink. And it's like, dude, take like read the room. Like you you've been given a power that we don't know. Probably not many entities have been given. And and you immediately and and your your body almost died from, you know, excess and opulence and and drinking. And the first thing you want to do is start grab, grab some wine. <laughs> and it, like, that that I did chuckle when he's like, "Oh, let's have a drink," you know. And he looks at the two tormentors that are like in his throne room, you know, or yeah, without mouths. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's, good. And that yeah. scene is is fantastic. So he picks up he picks up this like rock thing. Oh yeah. That he like chooses to make into a chalice, which is another just thing on top of that. Not only did he pick it up, but he like made it into one. Mm-hmm. And then it's super cool. It's very subtle. I didn't actually pick it up, pick it, pick up on it the first time. But I tried to screen record all the cutscenes because I'm a nerd, and I rewatched that scene. And it's pretty cool when Witness is talking to the chalice in that scene. He kind of like glances down at the chalice at one point, and you know he, the Witness is kind of ripping on him throughout the whole scene. Right. And at the very end. Callus, uh, once the witness leaves, he like looks down at his cup and he like throws it away angrily. So it was a cool little thing of like the witness is like, "You are a pig, man!" <laughs> like, so that was that was cool, and yeah. that was kind of a recurring theme. And the fact that he's like this like, Keitel calls him like a ravenous beast or something, and he's like desperate to cling on to whatever will give him more longevity. And right, I I thought they did him very well. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I also absolutely love that where it's like, you haven't found the veil yet. And he's like, yeah, my guys are working on it. And then he like, and he, he makes some comment. And then the witness, like his, his attitude shifts very quickly. And he starts like, what I interpret is like crushing his skull with his crown because it's oh, like, yeah, he's, that, that was... he's like bleeding. Yep. And, and immediately like Callus is like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get right on it. Like that, that felt like, 
that felt like kind of a cliche thing where it's like, you know, the, the evil boss, the guy who's like cocky and then he like <laughs> yep. matches his finger, like get back to work, you know, like, but it, it felt so appropriate and, and like, you know, that the witness isn't, isn't taking shit and mm-hmm. has like no patience for, for callous. Like, totally. and, yeah, but I, I love all of that. Like he gave him this, you know, infinite power of the darkness and then he's just squandering it and being like lazy and it's just yeah you know, and you know it's just too totally to be expected of callous from everything we oh, know totally. and it's and it's perfect and that that kind of the yeah anytime that those two are on screen together is just it's so just creepy and evil and wonderful yeah those were the best moments of yes. the campaign and then another cool subtle thing is like the contrast between the way rolk interacts with the witness versus the way callus does right. like callus is a little more lax with the whole my witness thing right and if you read like some of the rolk stuff rolk is pretty intense about being like a loyal servant and whatnot um what was i gonna say the witness on the other hand is it's um i'm not gonna say i dislike it but it's interesting i expected the witness to be like a representation of like this like formless entity right being the darkness and all right but the witness exhibits like human emotion like anger and at the end at the ending scene i'm not even sure what's happening there but right he's like emotional which is interesting i I don't know what that means and i'm sure we'll find out what the witness is at some point but it's definitely interesting i oh this is so this is something that i wanted to to that I kind of have a problem with um, mm-hmm. in regards to the witness is in that, in that opening cut scene, we see him just kind of, or we see it float through space and there's the ships coming towards him and he does that weird hand wavy thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the ghost and the, the Titan just get kind of like cut into pieces. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's and their ships and their ships just like, yeah, fall apart. And it's such a mm-hmm. cool, creepy thing but I'm not a fan of establishing an enemy like that. Because, like, then they're, like, you mean, like, infinite power? And... Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and, and so, like, when you, you kind of talk about the, the, that they show human emotions, I'm almost okay with that if it also kind of establishes some, some semblance of, like, weakness where it's like I I don't like the concept of an enemy that just has like level nine thousand power and unlimited abilities and with the I'm gonna use I'm I'm gonna use this for a reason a snap of a finger can just kind of like vaporize you because then it like is there even a, a tension there it's like if they could just yeah. melt all of us if they know we're a threat why don't they just wipe out the helm and and all of that like when you establish I'm wondering as that much power it it sort of makes it like not fun because then it's like how are we even going to defeat them it seems like it's just going to be kind of like a bs where it's like is the traveler going to sacrifice itself and strip it of power and then we can shoot it like it it, you know what i mean it's just kind of like it when something like that happens it doesn't i lose interest in that kind of boss because then it's just like they're unwinnable or unkillable and and the reason i did the snap finger thing because that was something that i so i'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, and I I lost interest 
honestly, before Infinity Wars, but I did go back and watch them kind of after the fact. I, I watched Infinity War and, and Endgame. And one thing that I do like about Thanos as a villain is that while ultimately the Avengers lost, it almost felt like they were going to win for a moment. Yeah. And I liked that because it, he wasn't just this ultimate power that couldn't be defeated. And mm-hmm. there's no like tension and he just melts everybody. Like, cause it, it, it just like, it's like, what's even the point? Um, but like, like almost twice, right. They, the, the first time is they, Star Lord kind of screws up and smacks him in the face, uh, yep. but they almost get his glove off. And it's almost like, wow, they, he, they, they, they really did that. Strategy, right. Yeah. They, they almost pulled it off. And then when Thor, James is Stormbreaker into his chest. And he's like, he almost kills him. It's like, it it felt like a a boss that, or a boss, but it felt like an enemy that had power and was scary and intimidating and and ultimately did win, but it felt like he was still defeatable in some way if they had worked together and set aside their differences, right? Like that's, but this... It's like, why even bother? We might as well accept our fate and let him just snap fingers and vaporize all of us. Because it just, like, I, I, I'm not a fan of that kind of presentation of an enemy. Uh, yeah. Because I then it's like, what's, what's going to be the thing to weaken him? Is it something that we don't even have control over? Like, this game's a, at the end of the day, this game's a shooter. And after seeing that, it didn't seem like guns are going to do anything. Uh, I, I, like, what's the point of even having a G-horn if you can't? If it's not going to do anything, it's just going to like get. Well, you see, Rob, the key to beating the witness, you're missing the obvious, the oh, obvious move. Of course, we need to harness the power of Strand oh. to defeat the witness. Yeah, is that what it was? I, I missed that part. Of it, apparently, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but flow yeah. like the river, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I do agree with you that it was kind of weird that they showed almost human emotions like impatience and, and frustration with callous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and it, it, and that kind of was also to that kind of contrast where it's like, if he is this entity that's just capable of unlimited power where he, you know, we have these, a, a guardian doesn't even stand a chance. Just he can look at you wrong and you're vaporized uh, then to, to immediately get annoyed and irritated and, and try to, torture someone by crushing their face yeah it is it's a little surprising yeah i agree because he's not a or it's not a human it's like it is a like an entity i i don't know we'll find out but um will we or or at this point i don't know rob i don't know anymore (laughs) you get new characters that (laughs) yeah next we'll go to saturn and we'll meet uh we'll meet new people the saturnites it'll be great yeah Um, and then we'll fight Aramis as Ooh. the witness. And it'll be just another, like last. Another disciple? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the third disciple. It'll be awesome. Well, because they they'll need another year to get another expansion on. That's when they'll finally get to the, the... It'll be the final shape part one and then the final shape part chapter two. So... Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, okay enough with the, the smartest. <laughs> um, I... Uh... It's. It doesn't sound like the witness. Speaking of the witness and like the ending scene, uh, I'm I'm very interested as to like what what is happening here because it doesn't sound like the witness 
like hates the traveler at all and like has like a weird level of sympathy for it according to the dialogue when it was like what did it say it was something along the lines of like you've like suffered the most like the universe makes us like the dealers of hardship and also the victims of it or something like that and he's like you've suffered the most and then it opens a portal into its soul i don't know yeah I, that was I, interesting. yes so i i guess maybe we'll just use this time to kind of talk about the the elephant in the room sorry <laughs> no no no. I, I might as well it's a good transition is so the the kind of the primary point of the campaign and it's funny because we talked about it and theorized about it on our last podcast is what is the veil and why should we care <laughs> um and ultimately the storytelling device that it was i i it's interesting because the uh, MacGuffin without the MacGuffin, knowing what it and, does and and i i actually want you to weigh in on this because i was reading reddit today there was some folks debating on whether or not it actually was a MacGuffin. Um, and ultimately then someone concluded, it's like the fact that you guys are debating about it this way means that it, it does serve as the MacGuffin. Um, but you are a, uh, uh, prosperous film student. Uh, it's true. It's true. Not a screenwriting student, but, but but you are versed in film, uh, probably more than the average person. Does this fit the, MacGuffin, uh, dis like identity how you, or description as you understand it. I I, I yes. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. <laughs> I just kind of want to know what your thought is. I believe it definitely is. Whether or not it's a good MacGuffin, that is up to personal interpretation. But it definitely it, it is. It, it, a MacGuffin is defined as an object or device in a movie or a book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. That is exactly what it is, and it means nothing else there's no emotional attachment that any character has to it it is simply the object that the whole war on the amuna revolves around right and, and that's it I, it is merely a plot device they don't even explain what it is or what it does or anything it's just this is a thing that the bad guys can't get and it has magical powers and the good guys need to get the magical powers first and Cool. It's as simple as that, as far as life all goes. Okay, and I—that was kind of my understanding of what a MacGuffin was. But That's someone counter argument. Someone was trying to use the argument that it's like that a MacGuffin could be replaced with any other object, and it wouldn't change the plot, or something like that. And no. basically, like you can't, you can't replace the, the veil with a briefcase and have the event still be the same. Like it, it's, it's. So, like, again, that was maybe, like, someone's different interpretation of what a quote-unquote, like, MacGuffin is. Um, yeah. But it, it's... It's, it's like, no, I don't agree with that definition at all. Like, because if, if we look at, like, you know, one of the most famous MacGuffins from Pulp Fiction, like, the briefcase. Right, and that's the example they were using. Well, you can't replace the briefcase with anything. Like, the briefcase represents, like, an object, like, something of value. Right. Like, it does have, like properties to it that make it distinguishable from something else right right so i don't know personally i would disagree with that description of a mcguffin that doesn't make and sense I, to me I, I might be 
you know, kind of paraphrasing and misrepresenting what we said. But ultimately, the conclusion from this random argument was that the fact that that it was sort of nebulous and ambiguous on what it was makes it even more so a MacGuffin than yes, what, what the original person's so. argument was, which is kind of funny. Like it kind of came full circle back to no, definitely <laughs> MacGuffin because of of this. So sure, uh, yeah. So so obviously the 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 big thing is you know at, at the the end of the season there's that discussion with you know rasputin gave one little like final message to us and says you got to go to neptune uh to find the veil something that was related to the, the light and you know i kept making jokes that it's like oh it's the lady statue covered in a veil that's what the <laughs> veil is mm-hmm. um, how how wrong i i was when you get there and it's this cool like tie-dye so yeah. lava lamp disc thing and uh it's another space anus, just like Forsaken. It's a running gag here. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have like an Oedipus complex. <laughs> uh, uh, but it was a cool, like, as you get in that, I, I, I do really like that because you, you finally gain access to um, what is effectively, what's the, what's the facility? That's the, like... the, the Ishtar the Collective. The Collective, yeah. Um, and it's, it's the, the front doors to it are very much like the vault in the vault mission on Venus, which I just played mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, which I thought was great. Cause again, it's like these facilities, the collective. yeah, the Ishtar collective, they would use the same contractor and all of their vaults and doors would be designed the same way. So I thought it was kind of a cool thing where it's like, Hey, I've seen this before, but it's like in a completely different context and you go down, but it just keeps going down and descending and descending and descending. And you finally get into this like weird observation room. That's all these glass floors. And you go and you're like, what is this? It's like a weird lava lamp, jellyfish, base anus, whatever you want to call it. And it's <laughs> so cool. It is cool. And I was like excited because I like, again, when I was playing the campaign, like your character talks about the veil. Osiris talks about the veil. Everyone talks about the veil like they know what it is except for that we don't know what it is. And I, yeah. while I was playing it, I genuinely thought I had accidentally skipped a cutscene or a dialogue with Nimbus where that critical piece of information was included. And I yeah. just, like, I, I genuinely, like, when I finished the campaign, I was like, did I, did I miss something? Like, what, what <laughs> was the radial mast? And what I, was... I thought I missed a lore piece or something. Yeah. I've been out of the loop. I was like... Oh, I didn't read the random book from this season. Right. I'm like, oh no, right? And and so like all of that happens, and then I know we don't normally talk about content creators, but Bife comes out with a video, and he's like, "Yeah, you're not crazy. I don't know what the the veil is either." And it was like, well, that's a relief, but now I'm kind of pissed. Because sort of, yeah. <laughs> now I don't know what it is, and I don't know what the radial mast is. But it's there was a Reddit post where someone. I, again, I've been on Reddit a lot because it was just like, I felt confused. And someone kind of is like, I think I understand what it is now. And and again, I'm going to kind of botch it, but it's almost like, it's like a, almost like a communication, like transporter something. And that's how, because the, the Neomunians were using it to power their, their arc reactor thing it's it's i think the biggest problem is like what you said it's the fact that all the characters talk about it like they know what it is yeah 
is the biggest problem, and we as the audience have no idea what's happening. And it's not like dramatic irony or anything like that, because we as the audience are the only people that don't know what's happening. And then apparently all the characters do, question mark, maybe. Right. I, so so, it's, the, it was weird. so the, the basics, so this is a Reddit post from five days ago uh, by Tunneling Geek. I just want to give credit. Um, as pointed out by someone else, the veil is a consciousness transporter. This becomes obvious from the Ishtar surgery devices before the final boss encounter. The Diumunai use it to digitize their minds and upload them into the cloud arc. Hence, the veil works somewhat like the didact composer in Halo 4. If Halo 4, if you play that. And as described by someone else, the radial mass connects the metaphysical radio, radial to the physical, the tangential world. It's required as to establish a link between the metaphysical forces within the physical world as seen in the final cutscene. As we found out, our ghost also works very well for that since it's also a physical avatar for the metaphysical. So how do you interpret all this? Um, they said they're on their, their second playthrough of the campaign and they're paying a little bit more attention to the details. Our ghost directly refers to the manifestations of strand energy to the veil of Neomuna. We encounter this force here for the first time. Osiris calls strand a paracausal superposition, an amalgamation of multiple paracausal forces. He then goes on to talk about the light as a paracausal force of the physical and the darkness as one of the metaphysical world. This somehow fits yeah. a power rooted in darkness. Strand can still, however, manipulate the web of the physical world. And then our ghost feels very similar to being close to the traveler when near the veil. But since the theme of the metaphysical, the cloud-based consciousness, ascendant plane, and ley lines is connected to the darkness, how can this be reconciled? So this brings him to the conclusion that the veil is not only a consciousness transporter, it is a literal link, a transporter between the paracausal forces of the light and the dark. The line between the light and the dark is so very thin. Indeed, it is only the veil that separates the two. Once the veil between the light and the dark is lifted, the two forces are leveled to the same playing field. Okay, that's pretty good, actually. I'm that very impressed. It makes sense, but it sucks that it took the Reddit community to kind of piece that together. Yeah. But I, I actually, I think I, 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 I could, yeah. I almost, I could hear an argument in support of writing it that way. Like, writing it ambiguously. You know, I, I, it was definitely an intentional decision to be like, right. let's make this an, like, an ambiguous thing. Let's not explain anything about it. That was a conscious, creative decision that they made. Right. I, I don't think that was a, oh, we forgot to make this cutscene. <laughs> yeah. Like it, 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 but it, at the same time, the, the general consensus from the community is this is not where you introduce new stuff. New stuff. It's, yeah. Um, and, I, and one of the, one of the, the common complaints that, or, or things that people are comparing it to is the vanilla D1 campaign, um, which I don't agree with. No. Um, I don't either. How does that, what is the argument comparing so the two? The, this campaign fell back onto the worst tendencies of launch D1. So this is an opinion from someone on Reddit. Okay. Uh, everything is set up, nothing is payoff. D1 as a whole had a huge tendency to set up new things with every expansion that it never paid off. And we had to wait for years into D2 to see in-game. Many of these things weren't even mentioned in campaigns or were even talked about in the lore, leaving us feeling like we'd never seen them in-game because they were, quote-unquote, just lore things. 
These things included Quira, Savathun, Zebulra, the main branches of the Cabal Empire, Osiris, Shin Malfour, the Dredgen Society, and, and on and on. D2 began drip-feeding us some of these early on, but D2's real stride with narrative storytelling when it came when we finally got to the start of seeing these things pay off as a focal point in the last few years. This campaign went right back to setting things up without actually discussing them. That's just not how the story needs to work given that we were uh, where we are in it. Funnily enough, from all the patrol interactions with Nezarak, it looks like the raid is going to pay off things instead of set them up, but the campaign didn't. It was rough. Also, Nimbus is annoying. Cannot stand him. <laughs> um, I got gotta plug the Nimbus slander. In yeah, yeah, everyone, because it was like you know, what's your opinion on the campaign? And yeah. I, so while I I kind of agree with that, I also don't agree with that. Like, again, you know me, I'm the I'm the I'm the D one apologist. apologist, of course. Um, but I, knowing now that this was going to be a 10-year story. I think there was, like, I think there was an intentional decision, and I know there's a lot of, like, rumors about the original D1 launch and that they had to change things at the 11th hour and they had to shove things in Grimoire that were supposed to be in the game originally and people left and blah, blah, blah. Like, we're not going to get into that. But I feel like, like, you can't, for lack of a better term, blow your load in the first year <laughs> Like things had wild to, analogy. <laughs> things had to be set up and be ambiguous to kind of spoon feed you and drip feed you. Be like you can't like like it's kind of crazy that they introduced Oryx in year two and then kind of finished off his story. Now knowing kind of the ramifications and how big the hive are and like what ultimately their their impact is in the overall darkness saga. Like it's kind of crazy that we got Oryx so early on and then. Like, how many years was it before we finally got Savathun introduced? And how long is it going to be before we get Zebu Wrath? Like, like I think it's it's good because ultimately you you got to have a carrot dangling in front of us to keep grasping at. Now, I, and I'm not saying that that excuses some of the kind of, like, ambiguous things. Of, you know, that there's the classic, I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, some, there's some holes, I'll admit. But I, I still don't think that the the D1 campaign, the vanilla D1 campaign is so egregiously offensive because like, they're not going to explain all of what the war mind is because now you, then you can't exactly. tell any stories with the war mind. And exactly. like, look, we finally, like, yes, it took six years, but it was satisfying because for years we've been setting up what the war mind is and what Rasputin, like in his overall importance. And then we finally got a cutscene explaining like, why he was built and that he ultimately didn't destroy the traveler because of, of Anna's like desire to turn him into something more than just a, a war machine. And it's like some of that stuff was teased all the way back at the very beginning, but we still like, I, I get, I get mad about this because people are like, I don't know what the war mind is. Why should I care about that? And this is in the context of like playing the original D one story, mm -hmm. but it's like, you're told the ghost tells you that, the, the war mines were built to be this advanced AI technology that was going to defend humanity. Like, I don't like, yes, they could go into more detail, but you get an explanation for at least what it is and what its function is. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know why that's not a sufficient answer to at least start things off because again, they were pretty clear from the beginning that they were going to tell this 10 year story. And I, I, 
yes, more things could have been explained, but I think it's okay that they left some stuff kind of a mystery because now we're finally getting these answers and these aha moments. And it's like, ah, but like to, to, to not eat, like, I don't think anything in the D one story went as far as like, here's a MacGuffin, but we're not even going to tell you what the MacGuffin does. They at least explain what the black heart is and that it's this like evil root at the center of the black garden that the Vex worship and that you need to destroy it. Like, there's so the traveler a, can start healing again. Right. And then and then you destroy it and it's like, oh, the traveler's healing. It's like, oh, there's there's an actual explanation of what happens of why you needed to destroy it. Like I I I still get confused why people say you get no context for anything, and it's like, but you you do, like <laughs> at least to a certain degree, like yeah, and it's sure. weird it's weird to compare it to like, oh, it's a D vanilla D one level stories of bad. It's like no, this is almost worse in a way because you don't even know what it is. And I, I agree with you that it was probably an intentional choice to not just flat out say, yeah, it's a thing that allows the the traveler and the witness to be on the same plane of existence, like if that truly is what it is. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they could have given us a little bit more and they certainly should not have our character... In, in the dialogue seem to know what it is. Cause I think that was like the weird part where it's like, again, it's like, did we miss a lore piece? Was there a cutscene missing? Definitely. Like, and, and that's the part. So, okay. My rant is over, but no, no, it totally, to totally makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And, um, and, and, and yeah, it, it is just, it's weird that like, it, it, cause it feels like we're supposed to know what it is. Right. Which is just so so odd. And um I don't know. I guess the ambiguous storytelling, it feels like they're playing into this whole like seasonal long term storytelling model more instead of trying to focus more story beats into one campaign, I think was the idea. It's like it, it feels like they're setting up the witness veil thing to be like a year-long investigation and i personally don't like that do you think it's gonna pan out I, that way i i 100 think that's what they're gonna do but i yeah that what worries me is, and someone brought this up is the story missions stick around but the seasonal content doesn't and so a year from now like maybe maybe that. maybe throughout this whole next 12 months we're gonna get all kinds of lore and explanations and there, there might even be a cutscene where we're finally like yeah it's it's a way to 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 beam the metaphysical to the physical realm or like ah okay there's that explanation but then is it just going to be in a random like in, in a season 21 cutscene that you'll get to see one time and then a year from now when you go back and play the lightball campaign again or someone decides to buy lightball and season 21 is no longer available they're going to be exactly just as confused as we are now. And that's a problem. Back to the internet. As the whole Destiny story has always been told. Right. You know, it's, 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 that's how it's always been. Not, not that that's a good thing, but I mean, since the beginning, we've been doing like, oh, you want to actually know the story? Head to the Grimoire cards on Bungie.net and et cetera, et cetera. Hey, to, to be fair, you could access them from your phone. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
but but you know it's like it's always been told in this like external way and they've never had too much of a priority on telling it internally i don't know the more i think about it the more i like i don't know i i can't i don't hate it and i can't put my finger on why i don't hate it because i can't figure out how to defend it because it's a mystery and it's so it's so weird it's interesting it is like ultimately at the end of the day i can't like deny that i'm not like like i can't say i'm not invested you know what i mean like i do want to know what's like happening here and i I am interested and like i am kind of like hooked but no i'm 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 right there with you you know but does it make the campaign good as a narrative I don't know. Like, it's hard to defend this, but I, I don't despise it. At the end of the day, okay. I no, and I, I, I think I agree with you for the most part. It was just, it was more, like when I, when I went to bed that night, I thought I had missed something, and that was that was the part that felt weird, where I didn't have that. I didn't have that moment when I had like the witch when I finished the Witch King campaign. It felt really good because it it kind of at least sort of had a bookend. Although we've been kind of I've been complaining for the last year of like where is Savathun's ghost? Like we haven't really finished that plot, and like now I'm kind of getting the feeling like she's going to be relevant to the story in some way because like what we find out that she kind of he was the one hiding Neomuna from. The yeah, she she put the veil on Neomuna, which was why I was a little sad that she wasn't brought up besides the opening cutscene. Right. But she, I mean, we may get it. This is also, this is the end of the first week, and we may get something else later in this uh, season. That's, I know, and I hate that. <laughs> right. But they, like, you know, and, and not even talking about the, the seasonal story, which is kind of unrelated. I mean, it's similar, but it's also not like, but I, I, I could see there being like, I mean, we we spoilers. There's a there's a new exotic quest that dropped today um, that Next stuff. Yeah. So and it's or it's something. not a, I don't think it's a seasonal thing. I think it's related explicitly to Lightfall. I think yeah. so, too. So, um, you know, they, they could just be and they, they've always done this right. Almost every expansion add stuff that was delayed later, right? And I think probably the most egregious that everyone remembers is like uh the Taken King, right? Where uh No Time to Explain didn't come out for like a month or two. And same with Sleeper Simulant, like that took a like a few weeks before it released. And so it's like they they could be kind of drip feeding seasonal story stuff later not not seasonal, but expansion story stuff later in the to the 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 next couple yeah, months i'm i'm sure I, I agree that it's annoying but i'm also kind of like i feel like there's got to be more oh there totally is more i guarantee it and this is how they're gonna do it i think they've committed to the seasonal storytelling model and right. they've been doing very good about it but um it's uh we'll, we'll get to know more absolutely over the next three months and then even more over the course of the next year but I understand if people are frustrated playing this as a, you know, coherent singular narrative and being like, huh, there was no payoff at all, which is fair. And and that that goes back to one of the first things I said, where it's like you can almost take the opening cutscene and the end cutscene 
and splice it together it. and nothing really changes besides the fact that Callus dies somewhere in between there. But right. uh, and, who and didn't it, expect that to happen? So And there's like a door in the traveler now. Yeah. Um, oh, and the, like, other, the other weird thing is like oh, and that's the other thing too, where it's like it it like this is supposed to be the end. The witness goes presumably into the traveler or like cuts him open yeah. or something. And then it's a like, portal. Osiris literally calls it portal. Right. And then you go and talk to like Zavala and he's like, it's weird because he's like, the traveler's gone. Like, I think that's like the actual. Yes. I, I remember him saying that too. I was like, what do you mean he's, he's gone? It's right yeah, there. He's, he's literally in, <laughs> in, he's still above us in space. We still have our light. I mean, and he's not like dead. We still have our light, right? So it's like, it's kind of this weird thing where I'm like, how am I supposed to feel? Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Because the, 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 <laughs> we're the fine. Status, yeah. The status quo is maintained. Like, yeah, like I'm not even that concerned. I'm more intrigued than like, right. It doesn't feel like a dire circumstance. Right. I'm like, oh no, the witness got the traveler. More feels like, huh, right. I wonder what's happening right now. Yeah. It's like, should we be worried? Should we, <laughs> should we go in there? Like, yeah. You'd think the first thing we would do is send a probe into the portal and see what happens. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, why aren't yeah. we going in there? Like, Osiris was like, well, you could just chill out and stuff. I'm like, yeah. Did we try going in? I'm I'm just assuming that we tried and failed, but right. it does seem weird that they didn't it'll even mention it'll in, that. It'll I guarantee you it'll be in a lore book next season where there's gonna <laughs> be like it'll be all about oh we spent a, t- a team up there and yeah to study it and yeah, yeah we sent the the Fenchurch guy in there right. if you remember that <laughs> exactly. well it's just like at the end like the season after the Witch Queen I think there was a lore book about uh um. Ikora and the the um her hidden mm-hmm. to like clean up the body of Savathun and like remove all like DNA samples and everything like that. It's like why is that in a oh, workbook cool. like a season later or something? Like, you know, just kind of <laughs> yeah, stuff weird like that. Like we're gonna get we're gonna get you know what are the ramifications of this door or portal opening up in in the Traveler? Um, and yeah, yeah we sent a probe in there and something that got vaporized. Like I, you know, we'll, we'll get all that. Totally. Kind of stuff. Someone but tried it, putting their ghost in there. Yeah, but it just it that that's the kind of stuff that felt weird where it's like you end the campaign and it's like this is the beginning of the end. But it's like, but if we we killed Callus and like, I guess we failed at stopping the veil. I don't know what the veil is, but I still have my light and yeah. I got some cool guns out of it. And I'm stronger because I got <laughs> I feel good, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel great. Like, <laughs> look I, at all this green stuff I could like throw it. Exactly. Now. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I, I got my little my little buddies that I can cast. Like, it's <laughs> it's just it's it's weird, and I think it's it's kind of the inherent problem of a you know like a a game like this where it's like always you're always kind of playing and it's not like a linear campaign where it's like you go through it and then you get end credits and the game you're done right like, like there's still stuff to end do. The yeah exactly stories yeah. right and that's just always going to kind of be the case of the narrative story part with respect to the also like, well, you're also in this active world that's always alive. And, and, you know, it's also the weird thing of like every guardian is the guardian that failed at getting the veil. You know, it's like, and we all, we all happen to wake up in the same point in the Cosmodrome and, you know, all that kind of silly Mm -hmm. stuff. It's just like, yeah, you just have to kind of hand wave it away a little bit, like a little bit. Yeah. Which is fair. It's a sci-fi video game at the end of the day. Exactly. So it's, (laughs) I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lose sleep over this. Although I think no. it was a little bit that first night because I was like, "Did I miss? What the hell is the veil?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, looked, I, yeah. 
I totally remember playing that first mission, and they were talking about the veil and the radial mast, and I just, there's like, I totally didn't read something I was supposed to. Yeah. Because I, I was like, because I told myself, I was like, I'm going to do a little Destiny lore recap before I do this, and I didn't. And then I was like regretting it. I'm like, oh man, I should have. I don't know what's going on. And then, lo and behold, no one knows what's going on. But uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had a narrative question for you. I'm very curious to see what people think on this. Um, I liked this personally. I thought it was cool, but how do you feel about in the final or second to last cutscene or whatever when Ghost gets possessed by the witness and is floating up to the veil? Right. And Title is like, "Shoot your ghost, man!" And yeah. then you hold up your gun and you don't shoot it. How do yep. you feel about a cutscene making a pivotal like decision for your character? I see both ways. I personally liked it, but I could understand if people were like, oh, that I would have shot it or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like. Well, but see, that goes also into the. With we didn't know the ghost going up there was going to activate it. Right, that's true. It was just kind of the ghost is like, oh, I've felt this before. And, you know, it does that where it talks in the third person or whatever. Wait, and, no, but Nimbus was like, I think Nimbus says like, it's activating a link or something. Right, but it's like, but how does he know? Like, I don't know, but <laughs> it, it, it just, I, I didn't know quite how to feel, but I do like that Keitel was like, kill your ghost. And yeah. it, there, there is a, there is an actual moment where you, you raise your gun up and look through the sights. But I'm also kind of confused because I don't think that a basic, like, don't, don't you need some kind of darkness infused? like weapon like the whole like the whole like thorn or the the special darkness weapon that the score needed to kill Cade's ghost like I don't think you can just shoot a ghost and kill it um, oh is that the case so that that I was kind of confused about that like I thought it was like wait no no that's not that's not true I understand I understand why you think that but I remember there's a lore piece just because it's one of my favorites where all winter uses shot yes that's exactly what I was thinking of <laughs> That's so I guess funny. You're, I guess you're right. Yeah, he just he pops out a, a shot. He just. But then why was it like a big deal that uh, the 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 one scorn boss? Like, Did he have a darkness infused thing? I don't yeah, remember that in the campaign. It was, was like, that? It was like a, well, it was like during the cutscene, right? It was like a special shot that had to kill Cade's ghost or something no, like it wasn't. that. And and I'm that was sure. I I don't I well it's, <laughs> you're absolutely right because of the fell winters lie totally thing i don't know i'm i i'm not a lore master but i understand i understand but yeah i was I, yeah. but but ultimately i do i do like that um i'm on one level i'm kind of like well obviously he's not my character's not going to kill my ghost but the sure. fact that there was that moment of of like, like oh not, sure. not even hesitating and pulling the gun up and then sort of stopping uh, um i did i did like that as kind of just a good little bit of a gut-wrenching moment um, yeah I thought that was cool too. It was, it was, it was neat. Um, there were some good moments. I almost, almost kind of wish there was like like a follow up conversation between you and your ghost about that. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even think the ghost acknowledges. He does. He or right in the cutscene, he like once he's like done being possessed, he's like, "What happened? I don't know what just well, happened." I, but I mean, like acknowledging that they like the, your ghost actually activated the the veil. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, there's no like a "oops, my bad" 
Uh, <laughs> My bad, guys. And and or just some sort of like introspective moment, like, hey, you know, like I almost ended you. It's nothing personal, like just some kind of like moment to acknowledge that that almost happened would be kind of interesting. Where it almost like creates like a a momentary rift between you and your ghost. Yep. Um, yeah, that that would be it, cool. Make like an interesting, almost like story mission out of it or cutscene where it's like where like you literally start the mission dying and your ghost is kind of like I don't know if I want to revive you now you know or like some kind of, just something to kind of like the elephant in the room of like you almost killed your ghost for the sake sure. of for the sake of humanity but you didn't and now that decision is sort of like you have to live with that decision that you didn't and now you know it'd be a cool it'd be a cool like payoff too of like the whole arc that started with forsaken when you go on a you know murder revenge spree and ghost is like i'm not comfortable with this right you make me scared sometimes right or or when you start dabbling with the darkness with the darkness and ghost is like i'm not 100 percent on board with this right yeah and i like that there's kind of that that rift that's been brewing for a while yeah that that cricket on your shoulder kind of like hey this is literally what you're doing um Mm -hmm. No, totally. I, I think it's I think it's great. Um, I hope that there's some kind of this. This is where it's like I I I wish that you could like choose your ghost's voice, so it like everyone kind of felt like they had a little bit of a different experience because it's just like everyone literally watches the same cutscene and listens to Nolan North. Yeah, yeah, here's the same Nolan North voice. I mean, nothing against Nolan North. I think he's a great actor, but it's just kind of totally. like. You know, it's just kind of a little bit like everyone just hears the exact same thing and goes through the exact same experience. Don't you guess it's good? It, it kind of homogenizes the game, right? Like the the one time that they tried to make a hey, you can actually make a, a conscious decision or choice in the game, and then they they didn't stick with it, right? Where you could like choose to side with uh, the drifter or not. Oh yeah, that's right. And then like he called you snitch if you didn't side with him and then they got rid of it because people were like bothered by it it's like who cares it's just people were bothered by it oh i didn't even hear about that yeah and it's just like it was it was a neat idea of like introducing choice into totally an rpg type game like, i don't i don't that's I a guess. tough thing to do totally and i'm i'm glad they did it i just i i, I do wish they brought that back that would have been cool i i obviously we both like this franchise a lot because we play it and talk about it to, to no end. But I, there are definitely some things where like kind of a, a traditional RPG where it bums me out where it's like, Oh, it'd be great if you could make either like a good character or an evil character. But like everyone, everyone who plays this game has the exact same experience and plays the exact same missions in the exact same order. And like, there is no good or evil ending. There's just this path that they want you to take. And that would be maybe something that would be interesting in After the Light and Dark Saga is sort of like kind of expanding a little bit on what they want the game to actually be. You know, like if you play like like if you played Star Wars Galaxies, it was like a huge throwback, but you could either side with the rebels or the Empire. And then like based on what planets you went to that were predominantly like, you know, owned by the Empire, the Rebel Alliance, like you would be attacked on site if you were rebel scum and you went to an imperial planet. Like 
having having things like that that aren't traditionally in destiny would be interesting to see if that's like the direction that they go where there's actual like choices and then consequences and actually like different campaigns based on doing a light versus a dark character or doing a titan versus a hunter like actually different story experiences other than because i think i i know there's like a lot of people are annoyed that they have to play the campaign three times because they have three characters and it's the exact same campaign three times and i think that that's something you could remedy if you made kind of a traditional like rpg type game where you make choices and actually have different experiences and consequences along the way but i i get that that's this is the choice that they've made for this style of game and ultimately it's effective but it's just it begs the question of like what could you do if you made evil characters in destiny and had different branching paths of decisions yeah if you could become a shadow of your yeah exactly that'd be neat but but i do why that's not necessarily feasible especially this point into the game it's like like you said they've made that decision already i feel like and it's like too late now but definitely would have been cool i think they could still implement it in like smaller capacities though like you said like with like going to different planets and you get attacked by a certain faction depending on what you're aligned with or something like that right. would, be, would be neat. Well, and I, I think, all, again, all of this is like when the, the light and dark saga is over, like what, what's the direction that they're going to take the game in? Like, are they still going to kind of have this general format? Is there going to be like, we'll say, we'll call it Destiny 3 and it's, it's a completely different structure and like it's still a, a looter shooter at the end of the day, but it's, it's, it has different elements completely and all these other... Maybe we don't even have Titan Hunters and Warlocks anymore. It's just like, now you can play as an and You know, like, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do after this. Like, ultimately, I, I want to I see how this saga pans out, and, and I want it to have a, a, a nice bookend. But I, like, I want to see if they continue with this formula, or if that's one of the major changes after the Light and Dark Saga is, like, completely changing up the fundamental like core of the game by having different races you can play as or different like light and dark or like you just just seeing like what they have in store but i'm still kind of excited and intrigued to see what the punchline is after the light and dark saga sweet yeah i uh that would be very neat but i I don't know. I, I I don't even know where it goes beyond the light and dark saga. I don't know if I. I don't know. There, I can't even like think that far, and it's not even that far away. But no. well, because we'll because people were bringing up like going into the why are you introducing new things this late in the game when yeah. when they kind of listed off all these things that we really haven't gotten resolution to. Like we still don't really know what the nine are. Yeah, I saw that. The list and, of things. Yeah, and and are we gonna get like an ending to Zivu Wrath before this is over? Are we still need to really kind of tie off loose ends with with Sabathun? Like, are all of these things gonna end before the Light and Dark Saga, or are some of these going to be what happens after the Light and Dark Saga? Like, sure, that's a wonderful question. It, it's tough, like you said, like introducing so many new things this late is. It's it's weird because at this point now, now I don't I can't even predict where it's going if they're gonna right. do something like that so I'm not really sure 
Did we ever get any resolution on the Pukas, by the way, besides them just appearing? Um, are we? Do we still not know anything? About I don't that? know. I think there's, there's some. I think like the Quicksilver Storm, that like the lore on that, um, says something about it. Talks a little bit about it, but I don't like. I know if you do some of like the the bounties or the the uh, patrols in Neomuna, like one of the guys talks about, um, can you help clear out some some Shadow Legion because before we go into the the arc, you know, upload our conscious. We found a family of pukas living in our like the sewer beneath our house or something like that, and so like we had to we we wanted to save them, but ultimately they don't take to the consciousness upload like we do, so we had to take them to the puka garden or something like that. Like there's like a quick little story, so you get little tidbits of the the pukas, but I don't I don't know if they've been fully fleshed out yet in terms of like what exactly they are or where they came from or what they're made from. Um. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, I I just I will, I just want to know why she's got a puka. Well, there there is a stranger. there is a lore piece about that where she she finds some like derelict space station, and she finds the gun and she can't. I think it's for Quicksilver. She finds the gun and she can't use it, and she meets the puka, and then the puka like codifies yeah. her DNA to the. The Quicksilver, not DNA, but like her fingerprint or identification, so that she can use a Quicksilver Storm, and that's like events that lead like before, like she finds that space station out in the middle of nowhere, not necessarily near Neptune or something like that. So that that explains where she meets the Puka, and I okay, yeah, I think that's the Quicksilver Storm lore. Yes, you're right. I, I double checked. You are correct. So you do get an explanation of where she gets the Puka from. Still doesn't explain what it is or yeah. why it exists or why she has it or what it does, but but yes, there is a reference to it. Yeah, it's a good start. Yes, there's there's <laughs> definitely there's some lore, and I encourage you now that you're done with the story to do some of the exotic quests and side missions because you do get you get some more. Uh, you get a little bit. I think there's a little bit more about the veil kind of like you go into like the hall of heroes and you you learn about some of the previous cloud striders and there's there's some tidbits and things that you get in there um and you you do learn a little bit more about the pukas and kind of just some of the events that happened and i think you uh the the people of neomuna uploaded their consciousness to the cloud arc about the time that the pyramid ships arrived um, so it's not like they did it right before you got there. They did it like a while ago. Yeah, because there was the uh, the apocalypse. I remember reading. I think I read part of like the Neo Muna like lore book that you get throughout the campaign. Ah, and I think they uploaded. Their, yeah, they did it right before that happened to like protect themselves from like the apocalypse or whatever, the collapse. Right. And there's there's still there's definitely still some questions of like. Are there only two Cloud Striders, or are there more of them? Like, you only ever see Nimbus and Rohan. I feel like they told us this, and I can't remember for sure. I think they're supposed to only be two at a time, but I can't remember. If someone was making, like, a Sith reference, like, only two. <laughs> Master <laughs> Power of uh, Two. Apprentice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> it begs the question of, like, when does Nimbus start training their... Like a- another apprentice yeah yeah 
I don't so, know. So many years under their belt before they can start training a new person. and They don't uh, seem very experienced yet. Right. Yeah. They, that, they definitely emphasize the fact that they're a rookie for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's that's the other kind of cliche like 80s thing where the moment oh, the rookie you know, becomes the yeah we're, we're and also when rohan's like oh you know like we only live like 10 years and i'm about 10 years like it was he basically was like i'm two weeks away from <laughs> retirement and then die he's like i'm going to die <laughs> so i uh, dude i thought i thought osiris was gonna bite it to be honest i kind of was hoping that he would me too he, he will die and he yeah. has to die at some point. Not that I hate Osiris, but that's just where his arc is going. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think it'll be like in vain. I think it'll it'll have a very meaningful impact. And oh, absolutely. Like, you know how that affects Ikora and, and Saint-14 will be like, Ooh. that'll be an interesting story, but that'll be rough. Yeah. That'll like, be, I, dude, Saint, Saint is going to be like, going to turn into like pre-returned from tri time travel saint and he's gonna like head back like a monster yeah yeah which would be cool but yeah no i i it i almost wish this is going more into this this would have been a perfect setup where i would have loved it if they did the whole you know two weeks away from retirement and he doesn't die during the lightfall campaign but like not next season, but maybe the season afterwards where I was like, oh, you know, that Vex mission where you, you stop the hacking, like that totally should have been a season. Like that that seems perfect to set up a season in Lightfall where it takes place on Neomuna. Vex are trying to hack into the network and stop the the arc um arc cloud and, and it's trying to shut everything down and you gotta do it. And that would have been a good time to have Rohan die. Where you have like some time to actually get to know him and um, Nimbus and kind of get a sense of the relationship. And you actually get it over the span of the whole season. And then right in like the last week he dies or something like that. Kind of like Rasputin sure. did. Like that, yeah. that would have been a little more like, cause it, it, you know, people that one of the other complaints that people made or arguments is like, you get introduced to this guy, Rohan, you talk to him like a handful of times. Yeah. Like and twice <laughs> they make you, they make you, feel like you're supposed to be invested in his character, but you don't talk to him enough that when he does sacrifice himself, you don't really care. Exactly. I mean, it would have been more of a big deal if like Nimbus died. Cause they are like, you talk to them a lot more than you talk to. Right. Him. Right. But you know, Nimbus isn't going to die because he's the, the, the exactly the patrol guy too. And like, right and so it's like same with like finch like you know finch is not going to die because as soon as you get to him and realize that he's the the, the expansion vendor yep nothing's going to happen to him. <laughs> like as soon as as soon as you talk to nimbus for the first time and it's tracking like your rank up i'm like oh okay well nimbus, <laughs> nimbus has plot armor um <laughs> but but rohan is two weeks away from retirement and, and don't like us. but I, I i i would have liked it if they they did do sort of a subvert our expectations and had both of them live, but then in a later season that is somehow centered around Neo Moon and the Vex and trying to hack and all that, that he does sacrifice himself there. Mm -hmm. then, then you actually like, oh, I've come and you care a little more. Yeah, yeah. You know this character over the span of a couple months and and feel bad that he now died and sacrificed himself. And and that way it actually gives you a chance to learn more about the Cloud Striders and 
their people and the relationship that maybe is built between the master and apprentice and all but you, it's just it's told so quickly like as soon as as soon as he's there he's basically gone um so it's it's just it's hard to care and th- and that's part of the problem with condensing this down into eight missions that you're going to f- feed through and finish in the first week yeah it's yeah. so that's tough. Again, did you kind of, the, kind of the difficulty of the way this game is designed and trying to also have these narrative pieces that if you're not going to set them up over the span of a year, well, then you have to condense it down quickly and things yep. are going to be truncated. Yeah, it's true. That's just kind of the nature of the beast with yep. how they've set this up. Did you have a favorite mission? Out of the eight? I think the first mission's really good just in terms of like the set pieces and the aesthetic. Um, I liked, you know, like, oh, maybe you can stop them before you even get there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Osiris being like an anxious. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mess. <laughs> I, I did. I did chuckle when he's in the, the escape pod and he's like, I think it's fine. And then before oh. he gets just like shot out and you're like, yeah, yeah. that's about right. Um, <laughs> And I, I do like that you actually get into a cabal drop pod. I think that's that's pretty rad. Like that was a cool. That was cool. That was a, a neat way to like escape. The- it just sucks that the drop pods don't have like windows, like ODST drop pods or something. I, I know. I was I was thinking that too. I'm like, this would be awesome to see the 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 reentry of the drop pod onto the surface. And, and yeah, kind of, um, that would have been cool. Um, so I like the first mission a lot, and I do like. So I guess we should talk about we've been doing this for like two hours, which wrap things up pretty soon. Um, Probably. But I do like the final mission and I love I I love that final when you're trying to like basically defend the front of the vault from okay. the forces. Literally easily the best encounter in the whole campaign is the yes. vault defense. Because it it was it was exhausting and stressful and so much fun to just like it was hectic and and i love that you have the cabal forces and keitels there yeah and, and it, it felt like an actual like battle yes like, is like you know you know what the the battle of six fronts kind of maybe felt like where it's just this unrelenting force onslaught of stuff onslaught. and then like and then t- the the tanks keep coming and you get the uh you get the, the target locator from Halo target, Reach. Yeah, and that's so awesome and satisfying yeah. just to rain down. Like totally. as soon as those guys are, I'm like, oh, where's where's one of those those target locks? And then and then like you get kind of this like lull, and then like two tormentors show up, and you're just like, son of a bitch. You're like, no, yeah. And then you get it, and then you're like, oh, we got to get to the door and kind of reinforce the final fight. And it's just like, there's more. Like it was super stressful and awesome, and probably one of the most exciting versions of a stand in a place and survive. Oh, totally. Until there's no enemies left, which is kind of like, you know, when you think about all the, how many different kind of setups and, and thing can you do in a first person shooter before they start feeling samey, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like go from point A to point B and kill enemies along the way. Well, eventually you're going to get into like uh, a conveniently arena shaped room you have to survive an onslaught and kill all the enemies, right? Like, there's only so many kind of permutations and combinations of, like, things you can do in a first-person shooter before they kind of feel samey. That's why it's like, 
it's funny when people complain about the original uh, D1 campaign where it's like you go to a room and you pull your ghost out and scan something and then kill enemies while they're continuing to scan. Like, yeah, that gets pretty old pretty fast and there's it's hard to defend that. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, we've been doing that for 10 years. Like every every camp, every mission has you go to a thing, fight enemies, and then go to another location and fight enemies. But how you engage with those enemies is what matters. And I think this was one of the most interesting, cool, hectic, action, satisfying things they've ever done of that formula of like, because there's a lot of enemies and it's crazy and the arena is designed in a pretty cool way. I totally I, I think it works. Oh, 100%. I'm such a sucker for like being in playing Destiny as like a part of like a battle scene where you're not like the only person there. Yes. It's just it's so nice when you have like other right like allied forces and it in like you said like genuinely feels like a battle. And not only is it like a stand there and survive sort of thing but it's also like a tower defense thing and yes. you've also got other fun little toys to play with like the laser pointer and then tormentors show up and it's so cool and also um it, it there's like story weight to it like this is like a huge moment and then keitel's got her at the very end of it keitel faces down callus's giant purple head which was super sick right i took a screenshot of that it's my playstation wallpaper now but is like that that was easily the best encounter i think yeah and then there was uh i gotta talk about the callus fight really quick because i it was gonna break something I, that fight is so it's bad <sighs> well part of it is part of it i don't part of it i like i i think the savathun fight is infinitely better personally yeah. but just because the savathun fight is like a three-phase long thing but it's not like stupidly difficult it's it's hard but it's not like frustratingly difficult and there's like dialogue happening there's like major story stuff happening in game during the fight right. and there's, it's like varied and there's like three different things going on because you start off fighting like three different lucent hive with her flying around you and then you walk down a path going to like the ascendant realm or something and then you fight it like a different island and so cool. I love that fight. And then the callus fight is just contained to this little room right beneath the veil. And part of it, part of it I like because I felt it was the first phase of it is kind of rewarding because once I figured out how to do it, like every time I died, and I died a lot, right. <laughs> every time I died, I learned like a new thing to change. And eventually I got it down to like a science to the point where it wasn't even hard anymore. But then the second phase kills it for me just because it's like it just you go in there i had to put on triple melee resistance because he one shots you and runs at the speed of light and you're in this like tiny little bubble and it sucks but anyways what do you think uh no so yes uh that was kind of the same thing where it's like i started so i ran through the entire campaign and it's really funny because i was like i want to make like a warlock super build with void so i ran bad juju as my primary because you know exotic primaries get like a heat the kinetics get like fat like 40 percent damage buff um so i was like i'm gonna go all in on just and throw my nova bomb as frequently as i can and and my nothing manacles and just 
purple purple galore. But then, of course, there's all these set pieces where you literally have those mini radial masks that like cancel out your super. So I'm like, well, bad juju is kind of a a bad choice, but I still used it because I I think that gun's awesome and like because it it still also has the it's a perfect like devour weapon because when you get a kill, it just refills the ammo and does more damage. So it's great when you're just fighting like hordes of enemies because as long as you're continuing to kill things like you keep devour up it's great to stay alive so like i use that throughout the entire campaign and then i was like when i get to the callus fight i'm like i'm not gonna use strand i'm just gonna continue to use void because like that's what i was gonna do yeah (laughs) and then it just after like failing like 10 or so times because like it's obvious they want you to strand because there's grapple points all over the ceiling um and there was a lot of times where so going back to your argument about the or discussion about the, the the Sabathun fight, where when I died there, I felt like it was my fault because I I made a bad call or I stepped out when I shouldn't have or you know I got too cocky and and did something. A lot of the times when I died during the Callus fight, it was like I don't even know what killed me or like his weird lubres. Oh, the Sons of Lubre move that he's got? Move, and it just like kills That's a rough me. one. And it, it like there's very little reaction time. And I, I, I get they, they don't want you to just stay on the catwalk the entire time or stay in one spot the entire time. Oh, that's so, what I did. <laughs> right. And, and, and it's just like it just it didn't have the engaging like it. it I hate to say it, but it just felt like a glorified Valis to Arak fight. Because it's just a colossus in the middle of a room firing a machine gun at you without any kind of like there's no mechanic like you don't need to get a buff to damage him you don't like at least with with Sabathun you had to kill like the three wizards to get like a stacking buff and then once you got all three you had like a short window that you could actually damage her oh and, yeah and then it would like rinse and repeat and like but the the arena had you like fighting around different things whereas this is like you just get him to a certain threshold and now there's a tormentor chasing after you and he may decide to suppress you mid jump and then you just fall to your death or like something just knocks you off or one of the incendiaries boops you off. And it's just like so many times I died to just kind of like, like what felt like bullshit. Yeah, uh, I get and, that. And it, and it just like, so then I was like, okay, well the game obviously wants me to use strand, but what's not fun is when you use the grapple ability and get suppressed mid grapple by the tormentor and it's like there should not be like this should not be how the final fight goes like there there's yes there's there's probably some bs in the 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 sabathun fight like that final fight like you said there's kind of three phases to her and i'm kind of just saying that like the final one that you do with her like it's definitely hectic and and you could probably kind of cheese it to a certain degree because you can hide in that back area and she won't really follow you around too much but it's still like you can't just you have to do something and with with yeah i cheesed the hell out of this is the only way i was able to do it right well and that's that's like a bunch of people in my clan did that where you can like get under the staircase and he can't hit you uh and then for the second phase you can get up on top of the dome and just like pot shot him oh really and it's like that's really disappointing and and maybe you could argue me using witherhorde is also cheating but it's like or cheesing (laughs) it but like i i like Cause it, it, so the, so the first time I, cause I think I swapped to revision zero after bad juju was just not cutting it. Cause you know, like the revision zero, you can, it does more damage and you get like the sniper shots, yeah uh, which is also, it's also bugged uh, if you have four times the charm as like the exotic perk. Uh, 
and so like it'll cancel out your shots so like that was kind of worthless um so i was trying in the so the first time i got him to the second phase which i didn't know there was a second phase i kind of assumed there would be because it's like this seems too i assume you know, so too, too. i'm like too too basic mm-hmm. um, but the first time yeah he like pulls out the two swords and then just immediately slaps me and i died yeah, and I, was like, and I was like, okay. Yeah, that felt so bad. because Especially it after, like, trying so many times to get, like, the first phase done. Right. I mean, regardless of it being simple, like, right. took a long time to get the first phase done. Start the second phase, dead. Right. And that, that felt really bad because one of the one of the nice things about the Savage fight is, like, yeah, it had three phases, but it also had, like, checkpoints between them. Yeah. And so like it felt like okay, I got this one done. I don't ever have to do this again, you know, and it's like you just have to do that first fight over and over and over again with the tormentors and I like it just it felt very uninspired sure. to like to do that and then he just he turns his gun into two swords and just chases after you and then it was like all I did was I'd hit him with wither horde and then just kind of keep running around and then I finally charged up my super and used my super and that got him down like a third and then just wither hoarded him down the rest of the way. And it was like, okay, but it th- definitely, he, he hacked me up a few times before I got to that. It was just, sure. kind of, it just, it, it wasn't a fun arena. It felt small and claustrophobic, which is maybe the point because he's a cabal and he's, you know, he's just brute forcing you. Sure. But it, it just, you know, I, I stand here and, and I, I called the Sabathun fight kind of tedious because of how long it went. But I, in hindsight, I would take that, any day for this. <laughs> this fight because it just the arena was not designed well it's not fun to get suppressed mid-flight and and it just how narrow the catwalk bands were and how narrow kind of everything was it just kind of sucked to use the grapple hook and like spider-man fly yourself off the screen and die because i did that a couple times too where i'm just yeah. like i i don't feel like i've used this enough to really feel comfortable in a small arena like this Oh but no! It's, it's Grapple kind of sucks, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's obvious that you're supposed to use that as like the fight, but it doesn't. Sometimes it screwed you over more than it helped you. Hundred percent. It. I realized at a certain point. I realized that that it does not work. Like so, what I did was I eventually figured out how I did this. Is I picked one platform. I just ran straight across to like the one behind him. Or mm-hmm. I started off with, you know, that like first like 20, 30% of his health bar. Right. So I started off, I just used my super and knock that out right out of the way. Run to the platform in the back, kill the incendiary, whatever, whatever. Stand in the corner. And then every time a tormentor would show up, I was using Osteostriga, which is objectively the best gun in the game, period. Right. And I used that the entire campaign. And then I used blinding nades and you just run around the circle, run run around a circle with the tormentors because you cannot grapple from them because you get suppressed. And I was like, that's ridiculous. So you just run in a circle with them two times and you just shoot callus. Another tormentor, run in a circle, et cetera, et cetera. Rinse and repeat, do damage to him. And then there's the bubble. And then I had to put on triple melee resistance. And that's when I had to grapple around. Is it just me or does he have like a crazy hitbox with those with those axes yeah i i yes uh and it it felt i don't know just it was it was weird because it just got it gets so hectic and like unfun 
to just fight in this little tiny room. Like it, it would have been more entertaining and satisfying if like here you have Strand and you're basically like out maneuvering him and like almost like mocking him because now he's like limited to like crappy swords. And it, it almost would have been better if it was like a bigger arena where like you like from like a narrative standpoint, like, oh, he's all he's all beefy and he's like the disciple, you know, he's the newest disciple and he's got this awesome gun and all these abilities that just like wreck you. And then you get him to the second phase and now he's just pissed and trying to hit you down with swords. And you're basically just doing a oh, now you can't catch me like, oh, you're too slow, callous, like almost like mocking him. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been kind of cooler where it's like that second phase is almost like a formality where it's kind of fun because he's just he's trying to berserk at you, but he sucks. Yeah. Instead and, of it being harder, it's like a like it's like a final last laugh. Yeah, exactly. Because he's he's just reduced down to this like he's just a, a basic bitch now. And yeah, I, I again, there's just like narratively, they could have done a few more things to just make it more epic or grandiose or like fun as opposed to just like oh now he's just gonna one shot you with swords in this tiny little dome room that's (laughs) like i don't know it just it i i I, it was just frustrating at the end of the day it, it, it was just it was a bad fight and you are not the only one like there's a couple folks in my clan that were just that that didn't cheese it, that did it legit, and were just struggling to yeah. know and, and just at their wits end, ready to give up. And it's just like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I probably spent a good hour, two hours in there, just trying to yeah. And, and I mean, a couple of those deaths were like immediately just like you get up there, and then the like it, like I consistently get to the first tormentor, and then the tormentor like just suppresses you or pulls you in with their scythe you know because it's just like this very tight i don't know it's just it's a tight little arena and it's not fun no it is yeah it's that fight and the between that one and the headlong fight with the spinning merry-go-round vex wall just yeah neither of those were fun and half of it was because strand sucks and the grapple doesn't work half the time and i hate the whole like philosophy also like the fighting philosophy behind strand of like grapple directly into a an enemy and then hit them and because then you just immediately die so it's like can you do that i don't know i i so i uh i mean i've I've only played on warlock so my my perception of of strand is going to be different from yours the the limited kit that you get during the campaign is pretty crappy but once you unlock the other two grenades and you get some of the other fragments uh strand gets pretty nutty and fun um and in my opinion the grapple is like the least interesting thing okay in strand like i i actually like the i like the 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 entangle the the basically it's like the bola that you throw to suspend the suspend grenade or whatever. Like I, I find that way more fun and like satisfying than the grapple. Like obviously the grapple is meant to be like a move mechanic and, and expand sort of the verticality of the game. Um, but I, I, I died a lot as well because I just wasn't having fun trying to figure out the little nuance to like, 
and let's be honest the the physics and destiny has always been a little wonky and this like further exacerbates it and there was definitely a couple deaths that i had where it was just like i i don't know why i just i feel like i shouldn't have flown that far or i under flew um using that grapple hook and it just kind of sucks sometimes yeah so yeah um i get give like do the post campaign stuff unlock more of the the aspects get the other grenades try try playing around with some builds there's some nutty stuff that you can do with strand that isn't just doing whatever a spider-man can okay gotcha well then i'm looking forward to it in that regard it's just some of the strand centric fights were frustrating Oh, I, I agree. All right, last thing to touch on. Very, very last thing is we got a response on our Twitter thing. So, oh yeah, I tweeted out like two hours before we recorded, and I was like, "Quick, share your thoughts on the Lifefall campaign." Uh, we might just share them on our episode tonight, and we're going to right now. Um, just uh, for future reference, if you're listening to this and you would like to participate, uh, I'm going to be doing this, you know, pretty frequently uh, when we record episodes. So. Hop on when you see those uh, or follow our Twitter and uh, submit your thoughts and we'll try to uh, talk about them. So we got a response from the Guardians feed on Neomuna is their uh, account name. And they responded. They said, loved the scattered pacing of the story. Strand is amazing once you get a build set up, like what we were just talking about there. Uh, overall feeling of leveling and grinding feels more enjoyable. So the scattered pacing of the story. He, they like the scattered pacing of the story. <laughs> I don't, I don't quite know how to respond to that. I don't, at the end of the day, everyone is entitled to their, Oh, absolutely. And to each their own. It's art. And I, I think hopefully we, with our very long discussion tonight, we both expressed that we enjoyed the, like the actual gameplay of the campaign itself. There were some really cool action setups Tormentors are fun. Some cool locations. Static is still pretty cool. Uh, it's just the the narrative is what kind of, you know, I think both of us had a, a, a major issue with overall and, and some of the characters and dialogue and things like that. Um, but everyone is entitled to their opinion, and if you had a good time playing the Lightfall campaign, I, no one should make you feel bad or or take that away from no. you if you feel like you got your money's worth and had a good time and enjoyed playing with strand and, and enjoyed playing it in the campaign then that's great i think it's funny to call it a scattered story um because that's probably a good way to summarize it overall and if if that works for you then then great yeah sure um i mean i kind of understand if you like the scattered pacing in the sense that like there's quiet moments on top of like big world ending fights and stuff like that. Um, I understand that if you didn't want, like I think that some of the strand meditation drink stuff is kind of cool on top of like fighting callus in like big war settings. Right. So I, I think that's what they're getting at in that regard in the sense that it's a little more diverse instead of like a linear, like one one trick horse in the sense that it's not just like a straight war thing. It's like, Oh, also we got, you know, superpowers. We're Jedi and we're learning to use the force and stuff like that. I understand that. I can see the appeal on that. If that's what they're getting at, but yeah. But yeah, well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. 
and hopefully you guys uh, out there would care to add some more opinions because we would love to discuss them. But I think that's it because we uh, just talked for like two and a half hours about that. So, and I still didn't talk about anything, I, everything I could have talked about. But we'll save it for another we time. We will save it for I, another time. It's, it's I think. Yeah, I think there's a, a very rich tapestry of things that need to continue to be talked about. And, you know, as as maybe the, the weeks go on, there'll be some more story stuff that gets revealed or more narrative things of, of why we should care. And that could change our opinion. We could revisit right. this in a couple of months. But see, that's the interesting thing, though, is like it's still if you like even some of the stuff I was talking about with like the vanilla D1 story where it's like, yeah, it's like we're seeing stuff that's finally paying off almost a decade later and it's like is that really how a story should be told i you know there's really not rules set for something like this that's a a 10-year story right most movies are two and a half hours or less and you get everything you need in that whole thing whereas this you are trying to span out a story with a lot of intertwined stuff like you're gonna you're gonna have some some highs and lows and some goods and some bads and weird and bizarre stuff intermingled all over the place. So it's like maybe it's okay to just every once in a while leave leave us leave some stuff open. Yeah, for it. sure. Right, and especially with the sci-fi or fantasy thing, explaining too much always right. kind of kills half the fun. So, right. Well, on that note, thanks for chatting. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to share with us, always on Twitter. So send us your thoughts. And uh, without further ado, we'll see you next time. You can put this voice recording away and go on with your life, because you and I both know you'd have me yapping in your ear for the rest of your days. Want to further the discussion? Get in touch with us at any of our Twitter handles, all of which can be found in our podcast description.